Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Big Brother 22 Legacy Watch Roundtable. I'm your host, Aaron Armstrong, and I'm here today to talk to you about everything that happened on the feeds this week and to go over the legacy of these Big Brother All-Stars on Big Brother 22. Joining me today, we have a very special guest, Ovi from Big Brother 21 is with us. How you doing, Ovi? Pretty good. Thanks for having me, Taryn. It's going to be a fun night for sure. Yes, very excited to have Ovi on to talk with us. Also with us here is Mari. How you doing, Mari? Hey, Taryn. I'm glad to be back. Can't wait to talk about this whole week and some legacy watches and what CBS posted and all of that. <laughs> yes, finally, <laughs> we've got Puya with us here tonight. How you doing, Puya? I'm doing great. I am happy. I got my computer back. And most importantly, we're going to talk about not one tier list, but two tier lists. This is the place to be. Tonight. I'm very excited. Mm. Uh, also, were we fooled? I don't even know if the CBS list is real anymore. Um, all that and more tonight on the Roundtable podcast. Oh, uh, well. <laughs> all right. So let's get into it. We're going to talk about what's happened at the end of last week to wrap up the week and what's been happening so far this week to set you up for what will be happening for the rest of the week. And then we're going to get into uh, just some various topics that have come up this week and then get into the legacy watch where we, where we track the legacy of the players week to week as the season goes this week we did something a little special there is this image floating around that claims to be an official cbs image uh that had a hall of fame uh with many uh, other big brother players on it uh it was a terrible list and so i thought it would be very fun to get your guys' opinion on uh how you think that all of those players should be ranked in the legacy watch uh and then uh, i was looking and um i saw peridium tweeted he was like does anyone have the actual link to this from the cbs website and uh, nobody does uh this thing might be fake so uh whatever we still have the results <laughs> we'll still go over what you guys think and uh we'll have some fun someone's list we're just good we're gonna we're gonna it discuss is it. someone's list <laughs> uh, leave it to peridium to do the actual investigation <laughs> <laughs> yeah he is thorough <laughs> um so Here's what we got. Uh, last week, last week, uh, things went pretty smoothly in terms of the eviction. Janelle did go home. Uh, it went uh, th there wasn't there wasn't too much, uh, you know, like, uh, oh, she might stay like not really. Um, but there was some drama that happened after the Tuesday roundtable. Uh, and that drama involves uh, Ovi's guy, uh, David, <laughs> um, who uh, he decided to let Davon and Bailey know that Tyler and Cody told him that Davon was trying to flip the vote against him in week two. And uh, this caused a lot of chaos and uh, ultimately led to Tyler and Cody feeling like we can't tell David anything. And Davon feeling like David is the worst. He's coming after me. I need to target him. Um, so we saw a bit of this on the episode. Um, what you didn't see on the episode is that Tyler and Cody managed to smooth things over with day and uh, and David is now like the scapegoat the bad guy in the situation who is the one that was lying about everything and exaggerating about everything and uh, and it's 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 not great Ovi I, I know I know that must have been a tough night for you 
Yeah, it was. That was one of those nights. It's like um, I was just up till three a.m. and I'm just like, you know, I can't go to sleep till this man goes to sleep, and I really hope both of us go to sleep real soon because <laughs> you're not helping yourself at all. And it just it, it was one of those things where you're just like, I, you got to stop. You know, it's going to stop. It's, it's eventually going to, but no, it just keeps going. I'm a fact check. I'm a fact check. I'm a, and it goes on from on from on. And I'm like, man, what are you doing? It's like one of those moments where like. It, it, you couldn't write it better. You know, the Big Brother editors were like, yes, finally, some content. We don't need to fill anything. Like, we have somebody doing that for us. So it was tough seeing him kind of blow up his game and every single one of his allies' game. Like, it's, I've never seen somebody so safe in a week be able to go from potentially a backdoor person if they could possibly do it. Like, um, it, it was a perfect scenario for everything to go wrong. It was a huge snowball effect that like mm-hmm. <laughs> the ramifications are still being felt and unfortunately if the same people keep getting power it's an easy thing to use uh, against him, Devon, Bay, all of that. Mm-hmm. So it was crazy to see that just unravel in front of our eyes just ugh. So many people. Exactly. And the thing is, you know, I, it sucks because I feel like David had the right intentions in there. Like he came in there not trying to, uh, he wanted to find the truth and he believed people and was so trusting that he didn't believe these people could lie to him about it. And unfortunately though, now people think he's shadier than ever for the, because this was the first time he was trying to kind of fact check. So it's fault on himself, but um, it's tough. And I, I don't blame Tyler, I don't blame Devon or Bailey how they feel about him because it's like uh, you, you just you just kind of put a dagger in everybody's game at that point. It's yeah, it's hard to like it's that's and that's the thing is that I feel like you know coming into the season, one of the biggest question marks. A lot of people out here like, oh well, is this an all star season when someone who hasn't even played is here? Like, well, whatever. He, he gets his chance. Here he is, and I think a lot of people like someone like Tyler gravitates towards him as a pick because like, hey, he's someone who hasn't had much experience. I think he's going to be loyal to me. I can like have him under my wing and he'll be like, he won't cause any problems for me. It'll be a safe, smooth experience. What we learned this week was it's not really going to be, it's going to be more of a bumpy ride because I do think obviously you're in there. You know, we've talked about this, like, well, we're three weeks in. A lot of people are playing the game. Some people playing it poorly. Some people playing it really well. I'm not just going to want to sit there. I want to participate. I feel like David wanted to participate. The problem is his participation was kind of unraveling some of the stuff that was nicely packaged for him. So there's been some cleanup. We'll see where he goes from here. I do think that if anything is going to show proof now of having days in that game, give you experience that is just unprecedented. That is just a different story. And having done your research going in matter a lot, especially in a returnee season. And the funny thing is, I think, I don't think David was wrong for initially telling Davon or asking Davon, um, you know, Tyler and Cody told this about me. I think his approach was wrong. And I think if he had put it in a different way, the, the way he put it was accusatory. You know what I'm saying? It was very accusatory. So I think if he had put it in a, hey guys, I'm trying to look out for you. Um, I, Tyler and Cody told me this. I didn't believe it, you know, but I just want you guys to have that information that they're talking about you. I would hope that Bay and Davon would have taken it, if it was said like that, would have taken it as better and been like, okay, David's giving us information. Let me keep that information. Because I think that was the problem. That information, that whole um, conversation between them, leaving them was the problem. 
of course. <laughs> but if he had, I feel like if he had said it in a different way, they may have received it in a different way. And maybe it would have just been something in the, all three of their back pockets instead of blowing up like that. Um, but also they really kind of overreacted in a sense to the, what he said. Um, but like I said, she probably took it the wrong way, thinking his tone was accusatory, a.k.a. I heard you're coming for me. And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm throwing away, basically throwing my game away from you. So I think it just got miscommunicated with tone and um, the pitch of the whole thing. Yeah, I think also I think with certain players being an effective ally in the game does sometimes mean holding withholding information uh sure. like especially like for somebody like Davon who if she hears something she is not going to be able to hide uh how she feels about it and is going to want to investigate it um telling her something like hey Tyler told me watch out for Tyler she's going to now go to Tyler and be like, Hey, did you do this? Or she's going to like give him looks, you know, like she's going to, she's going to be quiet with him. She's not going to want to talk to him. He's going to see that he's going to start targeting her. You've just made her game worse. Um, so sometimes you, I think in the game do need to keep information from other players, uh, from your allies in order to help them in the game. Like if David is actually watching their backs with the guys, which I do think he was trying to, uh, then they don't really, need to know that there's an all boys alliance they don't really need to know that day that uh that tyler said that you know davon was uh, doing this um as long as he's he's got their backs if he starts to feel like because because if none of this comes out and and he is if, if able to effectively hide his relationship with davon and bailey then at some point he will be told all right it's davon it's davon next and at that point, he can be like, whoa, we need to do something, Davon. And she'll be open to hearing it and uh, and things will be uh, will be much better. Right. Um, right. But uh, but David is just kind of like he's doing the worst of both worlds where he's <laughs> spilling a little bit, but not everything um, to people that shouldn't be hearing anything. But the fact <laughs> that they're only hearing a little bit is making them even more suspicious. And uh, and Devon is is fully convinced that David is coming for her uh, and wants him out. She was saying earlier today that if Kaser wins the veto, no. Ian shouldn't be backdoored. It shouldn't be Ian. It should be that she's going to go up to the six and she's going to tell them, hey, David told me about an all guys alliance and you should put him up. You should backdoor him. He betrayed your trust. If there's no all, all guys alliance, then put him up. Show me. Um, and this That's is a bad, <laughs> bad situation for both of these guys. Puya. Yeah, no, it really, really is. I feel like this is a miss step it's a it's a it's putting your you know putting your book like put it home what am i trying to say it, she's putting her eyes on the wrong target here that really is what's going on and i think that's one of the things that's been frustrating to watch mm-hmm. as someone who's you know trying to appreciate the good gameplay and also wants to see there be some kind of opposition some kind of back and forth some kind but like when it's a situation where everyone who's on the outer is kind of looking at each other, that's not a good situation. Someone like Enzo, who this is, we're in his reign right now, him being discussed, uh, discussing with him of, hey, can you put David up? I feel like now that he's gone his first ever HOH, Enzo wants to do something bigger with it. Get someone out who's at least um, someone he's finding intimidating within the game. 
And he's, he's not going to bother. David's not going to bother Enzo. He's not really too concerned about that. He's calling him a rookie, as is literally everyone else in the house. So it's like it's trying to use your capital. If you're Dave on and you believe you've been building capital with the alliance, this is the wrong place to spend that balance on. It really is. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing that has happened kind of stemming from this is that uh now cody has always been a little bit skeptical of danny um but this was kind of the last straw for him at least for a moment and that he had a conversation with enzo and tyler where they fully just expressed all of their feelings their pent-up feelings about danny how she likes to you know plant seeds and grow them and try to f- turn people against each other they they question like who told you about this davon thing and they well danny danny yeah danny um and uh and she denied that she did it to cody but then admitted that she did it to tyler uh and they were like the and t- for tyler who has always been gunning for danny this was perfect now he's got enzo on board cody is receptive um cody has always been skeptical of danny i think he's come around to the fact that like she's sketchy but she's super loyal to me which is true um but the danny sort of lies the danny seed planting has been exposed and it kind of came from this and so tyler and enzo in particular really have their eyes on danny uh it's kind of come back around via them tyler's talked to christmas about it to david about it uh and enzo has talked to bailey about it bailey's talked to davon about it a lot of people have their eyes open to the danny situation here now ovi Yeah, no, definitely. I think uh, inadvertently, it's, it's somebody I posted earlier that David's ability to kind of hinder all his allies game has somehow benefits him in different ways because it just opens up different floodgates on him. And I think Danny's one of those people who's kind of a victim of that because she has kind of um, been playing a game where she has a hand in every cookie jar, but she's been very aggressive the way she's been doing that. And so now because of this kind of blunder on David's part, people are seeing her, you know, really trying to move things. So I could definitely see a potential backdoor plan. I don't know about this week with Danny, but down the line, because people are really seeing that. And definitely, I think this might have been even happened earlier if this didn't exactly happen, because Tyler was trying to build up his army to kind of go against Danny. And so him having to rebuild those relationships between Bailey and Devon has kind of hindered that a little bit. But, but you know, this is kind of, I think, what we as fans want to see, you know, we don't want to see an alliance team, but we want to see within the alliance, you know, people go at each other. So I'm really hoping that uh, some cracks form for this. Mm. My whole thing with Danny is that I feel like Danny kind of, it takes me back to 13 a little bit. I do. I, I feel like some people have said, you know, she's played, she's playing her best game now. I definitely agree with that. However, here's my, my whole thing. It's too much for right now. I feel like Danny it's like you're back in third. You have the safety key. You're set. You're fine. You're good. Like chill. Um, she's in a good position. She's got alliance with an alliance. She's set, ready. You know, hang out. It's a little too much. The movements are. I think she's trying very hard to have more agency with every person that leaves, being someone that she wants gone. I f- she doesn't need to do that. She really doesn't. And I feel like it's it's a little too much. I do think that in a game like this, in a all star level game where you've got everyone who's a returnee. We really need it to be a thing where you have to be playing the game. But I do think that it's excessive enough to like people are now talking. Everyone's on, like talking about how, you know, she has her hands in a lot of cookie jars and, you know, this whole like, let's pin the hinky vote on somebody. And I, I, I really feel like she's the only person who's bringing it up at this point because that's the only person I'm seeing talking about it. Like enough. 
you know who yeah. did it? Do you know who did it? <laughs> and that's the and that's the thing about Tyler's game that I'm liking because like Ovi said, he tried to amass that army to go at Danny at the right time. That whole Davis situation blew that up. It put Tyler two steps back after he took, you know, one step forward. And so now he had to, in order to do that, now he had to pivot and and put Cody and Enzo onto her um, to make her uh, the next target for them. And it's amazing to watch, but I'm really upset because I was really liking where he was going with like trying to get that Bay Day, David, Christmas, like rebel alliance together Mm -hmm. and then that whole situation just kind of brought him back tighter to the the core four and to the six and i'm upset (laughs) Mm, i puya i i think you you need to watch out there's there's a david behind you i think (laughs) he's trying to ruin he's trying to ruin your podcast puya i know he's watching me he's got i i've he's been told i have bad credit he doesn't really trust me it's a dangerous position for me to be in sorry no (laughs) um all right so janelle ends up evicted at the end of the week and enzo is going to win the new uh hoh apparently caser did come kind of close but i can't even think about that um enzo's our new hoh and uh that's it yo that's all i got that's uh you just gotta roll it you just gotta hit the walls yo um so uh enzo he planned on putting up Kevin and Kaser, Kaser the target, Kevin the pawn. He did so. Um, but there is a plan in place. If Kaser wins the veto, Enzo wants to backdoor Ian. He's talked about it a lot. Now, there is a little bit of pushback in the alliance. Um, in particular, Nicole obviously doesn't want to let go of Ian quite yet. Um, uh, Cody is like, I'll test the waters on a pushback, but I'm also fine with it. Um, Danny pushed back a little bit, even though she's been talking about taking Ian out. Um, although I think Danny pushing back uh, to Enzo actually made Enzo want to do it even more. <laughs> um, so uh, we'll see. I think Enzo really will do it if Kaser wins the veto. The veto is going to be played at some point tonight. Um, I'm a little concerned that it's going late the last time we had a very late veto it was a very physical veto i'm a little bit concerned that like maybe the reason they do it late is because it's really hot and they don't want people to pass out and if it's really physical they'll do it really late and that's my concern because i'm really worried about caser and just want him to win but that's fine um (laughs) ovi how do you feel about this ian backdoor plan and how do you feel about caser's predicament you know what it's interesting because like for me, Casey is one of like my, I, I was so happy to hear that he was coming back on the season. He's somebody I never expected to play again, but uh, you know, uh, I think Puyo can speak to it too. You don't have much Brown representation on our television screen. So like growing up and seeing somebody like him, it was so dope. I'm like, this is awesome to have him there and to see him be removed kind of from the game and come back now. And hopefully him kind of, you know, he always is somebody who plays strong in the beginning. I just didn't want him to go out pre-jury again. So uh, this is the first time in history he's played the game without Janelle. So we're kind of seeing what Casey is going to do. So in the situation with Ian potentially being the back door, it's like one side is tough because I really loved Ian on his season. But this season of Ian, um, which he's playing a little, you know, uh, under the radar game, I'm just not exactly um, impressed with what he's been doing. I don't think he's been able to form those connections before. And I think Nicole F actually has been kind of having to uh, – really keep the burner off him. And so I think one of his flaws was he has really not connected whatsoever with Enzo. And so that's why Enzo has been like, you know what, Ian and I have barely talked at all. And I feel like from 
Ian, who is really smart, knows this game. That's just kind of a mistake on his part. So at this point, I'd rather see Kayser kind of stay in the game, make some bigger moves, and take a shot at a bigger alliance member than have Ian if that's going to be our choices. Yeah, and I'm really confused at Ian's gameplay for this year. Like, I get the whole stay under the radar for five weeks and all of that, but if you're going to stay under the radar, you still are supposed to be, like, working. You're supposed to be making some connections, and if he knows that um, social connections aren't really his bag, then what you need to be then trying to make strategic connections. Mm-hmm. His only strategic connection is with Nicole and he has done nothing else to seem like an asset to anybody, to anybody else. Like I'm really confused as to what his, his, his um, thought process is moving forward because I don't think he's thinking, Oh, let me get a few weeks in and then I'm going to beast all the challenges. Like that doesn't make any sense. Like I, I'm really confused at, at yeah. what he's thinking. Because he has nobody, it feels like he has nobody else other than Nicole. I feel like he's been lulled into this false sense of security with having Nicole, you know, solidifying that million club and then having like the four prime thing. He's kind I of in, about that. Yeah, they, they, yeah, right. Like they kind of like brought him in of like, hey, you're, you're one of us, you're with us. And that's all he really needed to kind of let the guard down a little bit. Obviously, the biggest people in his corner going to bat for him currently are Nicole and Danny, which is a good thing because they're part of the, you know, the bigger picture. However, it also, we're seeing more and more these guys talking about, well, they need to win one because the more and more we're getting into the game, especially someone like an Enzo keeps saying, how come we keep having to win the power and then do what they want? They've got to carry their weight, yo. Right. (laughs) (laughs) What's what's with it? Right. These girls, they do nothing, yo. (laughs) Can we call you? That's it. Can we call you Tenzo when you do that? <laughs> I would like that to be a nickname now, the Tenzo. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, but I agree with what Tenzo's saying. It's it's really one of those things where um, the more and more they keep feeling that way, the more and more they're not going to want to do what they say. That's why the whole Enzo yeah. wanting to do this thing is like, a, hey, enough. Like now, I, I'm the captain. Now I do what I want to do. Enough doing what you want. Yeah, I mean, I will say I, I I expected an improved game from Ian this season. He has matured a lot. I think I am seeing an improved game. Like, uh, I mean, in comparison to Big Brother 14, I think Ian is playing uh, much, much better uh, in the first few weeks than he did in that season. Uh, but it's still it's still just it's unfortunately lacking. Um, I think his biggest problem in 14 was probably his social game, which I think is dramatically improved this season. But uh, another one of his biggest problems in 14 was his ability to really see what was going on in the house, uh, what was actually going Going on in the house, which uh, is is you know unfortunately just as bad this time. Um, and I was hoping that like because I know Ian's a smart guy and I know that he's very strategic and he knows if he saw the board for what it was, he would know what to do with it. But it's very difficult for him to see it for for what it is. And uh, with that in mind, he's not really able to do much. Add on top of that, the fact that the competitions aren't what they used to be, and mm-hmm. he is 0 for 7, as he said today, um, which is not a great record for Ian, who really takes a lot of pride in his competition abilities, and that was really the thing that got him the win in 14. So mm-hmm. uh, it is, it's, it's been a rough go here for, uh, for Ian, and this really could be his last week, um, although odds are not super 
great that it will be his last week. Kaser would need to win that veto. So say somehow both Kaser and Ian end up staying past this week. Um, Do you see Ian actually taking what Kaser says and like actually like thinking about it logically? Because from what I remember, Kaser has pointed out the the major players and I know I understand that Ian thinks he's a part of that but he still seems to just be sitting on that information I'm not really yeah yeah. I I unfortunately think that he is you know he's he's on the inside right like uh he feels like uh like oh Poor, poor Kaser. He, he, he thinks he sees it, but he doesn't see me. Um, and in, right. and in some way mm-hmm. that, that sort of like empowers the person because it's like, uh, like, oh, I'm, I'm sitting the best because the people on the outside don't realize mm-hmm. that I'm in with them. Um, but, but Ian's not realizing that he's, he's not actually in with them mm, that's uh, a good point. so it's 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 almost uh, it's almost worse that Kaser doesn't see it because if Kaser saw that Ian was in a four person thing with them he'd be able to be like it's fake dude <laughs> <laughs> they're yeah. using you or you're at the bottom yeah exactly yeah. I, I think to the point too that like he came in with a strategy that's not going to work with the cast there is there's only two winners on this cast so for to play an under the radar game you just really can't do that unless you're nicole f who has connections across this whole cast ian doesn't his only major connection right now is the person who is uh, the other winner of him so i think he really needs to kind of take when going in take more control and understand that he will be a target regardless of it because you're the only person who's gotten that 500k check and people don't want to see you at the end because if you see another winner at the end, there's a chance like, hey, I'm going to give you know you the money again because you made it this far. So um, him thinking that he's playing an under radar game, even though people have kind of already won him out, I think that's just kind of a mistake on his own part. Yeah, th- this isn't BB14. There are no Chef Joes running through the halls saying, "Well, they just cashed away fifty thousand dollars. Their mm-hmm. their prize money went from a hundred thousand to fifty thousand. Joining this game, those coaches, um, like nobody's doing that in this season. A winner can win this game. In fact, I think right. a winner is more likely to win this game in the end than somebody who hasn't won. Also, in part because of season fourteen, um, which would be very funny if Ian Bennett fitted from people not wanting to win a have a winner win in 14 and then a reaction to that is that people do want a winner to win in 22 and he is now that winner that would be very funny um but Full circle. Full yes circle. but I, I do think i you know there's a lot of talk about new school versus old school play and i do think that this idea of Ian's that he can kind of like lie low and play dumb for the first half of the game is a very old school thought. Um, The new school of play is very different. The new school of play actually uh, means that when you're doing that, you are worse off. You are way worse off because you're leaving yourself on the outs of a massive power structure. And it's in the best interests of those within the power structure to pick off the people lying low, playing dumb for the first, you know, for few weeks until it's time to start, uh, you know, peeling off the layers of their structure. Um, and so if he's just sitting there doing nothing, then he's in a lot of trouble. I brought up uh, Cliff um, yeah, uh, earlier this morning that uh, Cliff is an example of what these players, Kaser, Ian, whoever should be doing, where 
and like Ian is in the position to do it too. Like uh, he he knows some of the the stuff going on. He's in a little bit. And what Cliff did is that he got in with Jackson. He got in with Christy. Um, he got some secrets from both sides. He started spreading those secrets. Um, he and he got them to turn on each. He he helped widen the cracks that already existed and got them to turn on each other early, so that him and Nicole had some runway to 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 you know go in between those two opposing forces um but uh if you're not because those cracks exist this season danny tyler uh you know cody uh davon like all of these people are so skeptical of each other they want to start targeting each other but they can't yet they don't have an excuse all all anybody needs to do right now is just you know squeeze themselves in there and be like hey tyler i heard danny saying your name hey danny I heard Tyler wants to backdoor you next week. Um, and it doesn't have to be that obvious, but if you're working yeah. on it, if you're trying to, to make these cracks split apart, then this whole system will crum, crum, come crumbling down. And now you're a valuable piece to be picked up and used. So that's what I would love to be seeing. That's the new school style of play, right? Right, Puya? Yeah. I mean, it's a game of whispers. It's a game of, you know, you got to try and like push people apart and do this. Here's the thing. We're in a position right now where, no one's really doing that. So what needs to happen, Taryn? This is like, again, we, we talked, we did this last week on the update. We talked about Kaser winning. It didn't happen. Well, I'm going to paint you a picture, right? Kaser walks into the backyard. It's how bad do you want it? You know, Kaser is willing to do everything because Kaser wants it bad. Okay. So then he's doing all the things. He wins it. Now Ian's on the block. Ian has been blindsided. He's been put on this block. Now Ian's terrified. Now the reality hits of, hey, I'm not as safe as I thought. I was very wrong. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. This is the fracture force that we need. This is where Mm -hmm. now it's like, well, Nicole's like, why'd you do that? I don't want that. I understand that Nicole's probably going to be okay with letting him go if she has to. But I like the idea of being like, well, this wasn't part of the game plan. Why is this happening? What's going to happen next? A lot will be forced. That hand will be forced should Kaser win the veto. However, I 100% agree with you that the new school is like that. The new school is a lot more little finger and a lot less, you know, net start. You're trying to, yeah. you're trying to be sneaky as hell, you're trying to climb that ladder of chaos, and you're trying to like be the one that's the agent of chaos, not a victim of chaos. Yeah. And, and that makes sense. And the whole old school versus new school um, mentality, it to me brought up thoughts of, is the game broken? Because my whole thought process <laughs> through the last three or four years of this game was, man, they just need better casting. If they casted better people, then maybe we wouldn't get these large groups going to the end, blah, 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 blah. But to go into this all-star season where, I mean, all-star, some stars, whatever you want to call it, these are people who have shown that they've had like the range to do the big moves to see the big pictures and for them to fall into that exact same game format makes me think like then there might be no breaking this this might be what big brother is for the foreseeable future until something switches because they get into the big alliance the big alliance marches they cut people down they get to a certain number they turn on each other and somebody from the big alliance wins like we don't want to see that every year and what can we do to what can they do to make that different if if it's clearly not casting now yeah yeah I, I, it, it, 
Oh, go on, Terry. I, I think I think that there, you know, because there's there's a lot of talk like old school versus new school. And, you know, the big thing, uh, the big meme is like, uh, you know, uh, X didn't happen in the past for for Tyler to call old school boring. I don't think he actually ever <laughs> called it boring. I think he called it underdeveloped. Right. Um, and uh, I asked Janelle, like uh, Tyler called old school underdeveloped. <clears throat> Do you agree with that? And she was like, kind of. Yeah. Um and I do too. Uh, I literally did a podcast called The Development of Alliance Structure yeah. in Big Brother. It has developed over the course of time. And people have found that certain things work. And they are they are in the process of refining them and doing them over and over. And they are getting more and more effective. Um, and I, I do think that what we are seeing is that uh, just the, the the meta game strategy is evolving to this point where there are all stars on this cast, all stars who know how to play this game. Well, new school players, um, Tyler, Cody, Enzo, who started, who's one of the people who started this craze. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are doing a refined version of the strategy that they already implemented before, and they're doing it better than they did before. Uh, and it is advanced gameplay which is not as entertaining to people as less advanced gameplay um but it is still very advanced gameplay and something that i've been thinking about for myself is that like i often find myself watching these seasons and i am riveted i am glued to the feeds all the time i enjoy watching the season and and some people uh, like assume that if i enjoy the season that means that like i'm putting a stamp of approval on everyone in the cast or that like uh that like oh you must like the people in power that's what i that's not how i watch the show um like i don't care who it is i watch for the gameplay right um for me i think the reason i enjoy it is that like this this week assume the the feeds just went down for the veto right they are currently playing the veto let's assume that caser loses the caser probably my all-time favorite player uh i love caser um if caser goes home this week i'm still riveted to the feeds this week right um and it's a very straightforward week nobody's going to talk about flipping the vote uh most people would be like ah check out of the feeds um but that's because this week was decided three weeks ago and I was riveted to the feeds three weeks ago. And right now, this week, three weeks from now, is being decided. The game isn't stopping. They're still playing the game. They're just playing it ahead of time because that's how advanced they have become in the strategy, right? Like they are so good at the game that they are now planning weeks out in advance. They are playing the game weeks out in advance. By the time the HOH happens, the nominations happen, it's too late. You've already lost. Um, that's why I'm still able to enjoy it. And, and I understand that other people aren't. I'm not advocating that everyone needs to enjoy it the way Lucky that I enjoy you. it. But like, that's, 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 that's the thing that I am seeing in it. That's, that is what I am able to enjoy in Big Brother Canada 7 and in Big Brother uh, 22 and in Big Brother 16. Um, because they are still playing the game. And it's very interesting to me. And there's no, there's not as much drama and like, uh, you know, the the like the veto in the nominations aren't as you know exciting week to week but when i'm watching you know david potentially interrupt tyler's long-term plans that could change the entire course of the season even though they have nothing to do with the week i'm still riveted because this could change the entire outcome of the season even though it doesn't have anything to do with this week right so 
that's that was those were my thoughts. Uh, There's things that I were thinking about uh, over the last few days in terms of like, uh, like, why am I so weird? Why do I enjoy this? So I just <laughs> wanted to share that with you all. Now we are going to take a quick break for our sponsors and we'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Teams. Now there are more ways to be a team with Microsoft Teams. Bring everyone together in one space with a new virtual room. Collaborate live, drawing, sharing, and building ideas with everyone on the same page. And make sure more of your team is seen and heard with up to 49 people on screen at once. Learn more about all the newest Teams features at Microsoft.com Teams. Support for this podcast comes from State Farm. With surprisingly great rates, State Farm is the real deal when it comes to home and car insurance. State Farm agents are in your neighborhood, ready to help personalize your insurance. And you can manage your coverage, pay your bill, or even file a claim right from your phone with the State Farm mobile app. Visit statefarm.com today to get a great rate without sacrificing great service. That's statefarm.com. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And we're back. So let's get back to the show. Um, uh, <laughs> Ovi, uh, what, do you th- what do you think of all that? <laughs> Uh, there's a lot to unpack there, but it's very Karen-esque. I will say that. Like, that's exactly how I would imagine you saying that. I say that in the best way possible. First, I need somebody to clip that Terrence said old school was underdeveloped, and we can have, like, a meme of Terrence saying it's boring, and we can get that trending. That would be great. Um, but, yeah, no, I think to your point that we see this strategy is very um, formulated. You know, the way I kind of compare, you know, the different seasons, old school, new school, it's kind of like you have your mom and pop restaurant. The food is amazing. It's great. But when you want to scale that type of thing, it's tough to make that affordable. So you have these Applebee's, things like that. They have it to the T. So the food's not as good. It's smart for them and they're making business, you know? And same way this way is that when you have Big Brother 12, when you have, you know, um, Big Brother or Canada 7, you have these alliances of four, the pretty boys, the brigade. Um, it's smart to create these alliances that have connections everywhere, even though it's a boring game because they plan things out. But then when you take it a step further, it's smart for these alliances to do that. And that's why they're not changing things up because they see what works. My issue, though, with this, and I think a lot of other fans, is that this type of gameplay, this type of formulated strategy, it really does hurt um, players who have differences on the outsiders and mm-hmm. what I would argue minorities, mm-hmm. you know, because this game, it forces you to pair up with the people that you have the most similarities to. And so the, the guys casted on the season mostly are, you know, popular guys who have great social game. They're young. They, they have a lot of these commonalities. Cody and Tyler, they're, they're a, you know, a match made in heaven there. And then you bring Enzo who played a game like who, who had brigade and Alliance and big brother 12 who, with similar boys, these people are going to all always connect. And so what that leaves you is a lot of people on the outside. And even though they might want to connect up with them on a personal level, they like them. They know when we make our formulated strategy, it's important to have people who think the same way we think, have less differences, and there's a lot more chances to mitigate the risk of things going different ways. So then you have, you see minorities then many times go out more than usual. So I think that's the issue. And I'm not really sure how exactly you change, you know, how do you have a great strategy, but also include people from diverse backgrounds. But this game and this strategy pushes that away. You want mm-hmm. people as like-minded as you can to go forward. So um, it's interesting to watch it play, but also as a fan, I think a lot of people being entertained, it just kind of like, hmm. 
Yeah, exactly. and, and, and I don't I don't want uh, I don't want to like be misinterpreted in that like because I'm able to enjoy this that yeah, I, yeah, again yeah. it does not mean that I have a stamp of approval on everything that's happening. That's just one aspect of it. I I I think I've been on record for a long time saying that I very much do not like this. Not only because it excludes minorities and people on the outs, uh, but also because I think it encourages this sort of mob mentality, this sort of cruel yes. the cruel nature of the game. Now I. I also think that people look at the past with, you know, rose colored glasses um, uh, when people talk about like the viciousness of the people in the house nowadays versus old days. Uh, go and read some feed updates from, uh, you know, Big Brother four and five and these early seasons, Big Brother six, six. Big Brother seven, <laughs> all of them way 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 worse um, than nowadays but it still does introduce this sort of like group up sort of against the people on the outs mentality that i really dislike um and i think that there are some things that really uh encourage that from happen to happen um and that would be like these the big like battle of the block twists um i think the bigger casts something that we've been talking about when there are so many people each individual has less agency on their own. And it also makes it harder for those people with less agency to group up uh, because, you know, it's easier to be like, well, I'm going to be the one that gets dragged to the end. And you guys, sorry about that uh, because it's much riskier to group up. Another thing that prevents people from grouping up in these big casts, the competitions tend to favor the same people over and over. What we're seeing is that, you know, four people have won almost all of the competitions. So if you are Bailey or Devon and you would like to work with Kaser and Janelle, that's great. Let's say you do manage to win one competition, which unfortunately they haven't yet, but even if they did, okay, now you take a shot at one of those four people and then the rest of the other three win the next seven competitions. Right. You're yeah. screwed. Yeah. And and the thing about what Ovia said about the big group that normally all look alike, that normally all come from the same backgrounds. It's really interesting. And it has to be some sort of the reason why we we call bias there is because, like, look at this season. A lot of the people in that big group do not like each other. They don't <laughs> like each other. <laughs> they tend to like a little bit more of some of the outsiders, but they still stick together. They they still stick together. And it just it makes you wonder, like, what could any of those outsiders have really done? Because uh, Bailey and Enzo, like Enzo says, he really likes Bailey. He really wants to work with Bailey. He wants to take Bailey to the long term. But if his alliance, his alliances right now, they're coming after her, her, and he, you know, he's doing all he can. But I don't know if he would really stick his neck out for her, even though it seems like he has a better connection with her than the other, just even the other girls in his alliance. So, like Ovi said, like it, like what, what do we, what can we do? Like what, what can we do? Is it really about cast, casting more people from way more diverse backgrounds or like, like Terrence said, is it these twists? Like, I just really want to know, is the game should, I shouldn't say broken. Cause like Terrence said, it's the evolution of strategy and the strategy had just maybe progressed past the game. Can we say something like that? Like the, mm -hmm. the, the strategy has pr progressed past the game. So now are, is this what it's going to be like for the rest of the time? Because I don't know how many fans are going to stick around for this. 
Yeah, and I mean, it, it's it's something that uh, I feel like um, the uh, the high jump uh, I think is something that this happened to that like uh, for a long time the 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 high jump was uh, done a certain way. Uh, they they didn't used to have like the you know the matrix style uh, technique, right? Um, and then one dude came along and he had this new technique. And he smashed all of the records and he just dominated. It wasn't. Like, uh, it's not very interesting to watch when uh, a few people or one dude can do this thing that just demolishes everybody else. It's not close anymore. It's not entertaining anymore. Everybody had to start doing it that way. And the game had the the event had to change um, that. Uh, this this happens in video games all the time. New strategies, new meta games evolve. Uh, they have to patch things and do th- different things. Um, I think football is a game that changed. It didn't used to have passing, um, and they introduced it, and that changed the game into something different. And people just these sorts of things happen all the time. And this is a, a dumb reality show, and so we don't look at it in terms of game balance. Um, but I really do feel like. The biggest thing that these the the producers of the show can do is just like hire a guy or or a, a woman or a team of guys and women or whoever um, to uh, to manage the the game balance to to look at this like it is a game and that they need to really focus on how to make it work in that way um, and on top of that I think something that they already should know that they need to do is focus on how the game interacts with minorities um, when they're brought on and, and, and how it disadvantages them and how casting disadvantages them um, and how they portray them. Um, And, you know, I'm hopeful for big brother, Canada, Arissa Cox is now uh, an executive producer for big brother, Canada. Um, she is, I think, very dedicated to making these sorts of changes happen, not necessarily on the game balance side, but on the casting and uh, that sort of side. And I'm I'm personally like very interested in seeing like what kind of progress is able to be made in Big Brother Canada that hopefully Big Brother US can uh, can replicate if it's successful. Puya. Yeah, I mean, you know, not to put in another analogy into the mix, but it's kind of like <laughs> Big Brother is the iPhone 6. It was fine. It still works. You know, I've still got the phone. It's good. The apps are fine. At some point, there's going to be more stuff that you can no longer put on that phone. You got to get you an upgrade. You got to figure it out. You got to get the iPhone X. So I feel like you really have to like the, the development goes a long way and will come a long way because strategy is something that they don't necessarily like the crew does has no control over that comes in with the players who come in to play it. So once that is shown once or twice, now people are taking notes. Now people are going to follow that. The problem is you got to fix it. There is. And I love that you brought up the track and field of it all. There is a gift that I saw a couple of years ago where it was, um, it's the gymnastics one with the podium that they have to jump over and the do the ball. flips in the yes. So, mm-hmm. it, like there was a, one gift was in black and white from way back when from the start of the Olympics, and the person jumped on, did one flip. It was a ten. Now, when you watch it, there's <laughs> like it's a ten eighty roll on this side, and then land on two feet. You have to stand up straight, arms in the air. Then you'll get like a nine point two. So, it, as you know, as it, things progress, they get they got to get a little bit harder. They got to get changed a little bit. And we need that. It'll go a long way. Ovi brought up, you know, we as brown people, we have Kaser. I last year I had Ovi. I had one. I was like, oh my God, Mm -hmm. I got someone. We haven't had one in a minute. I have Ovi now. Amazing. 
And then Ovi was taken out way too soon. And then we've had Kaser, yeah. we've had Adele, we've had Fessy, and then I've had my Persian queens and Neda, Tala, and Paris. That's it. Like that. That's how many there are. I can list them on my hand. So I was would like Cass- to. What was Cassandra? Cassandra. Sorry, Cassandra. Okay. If you're watching this. You're part, oh, of the, yeah. you're, part of the, you're part of the crew. You're part <laughs> of the crew. Uh, yeah. We love but, brown people too. So. I love <laughs> that. Mari on top of it. Ready, ready to call it out. She had the list ready. <laughs> <laughs> I love being <laughs> Yeah, one thing. Oh, sorry, Puya. I didn't know if you're done. No, 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 go for it. Go for it. Go for it. I think one way that you can really try to um, change this up and break down the alliances or whatnot or have more safety in there. I think the competitions need to be revamped where it can be, it's not a game of luck. It's not some sort of shoot game. It's, you know, I want us to put the pressure cooker. How much do you want this? If you know your ass is on fire, will you put your hand, will you keep your hand there for 24 hours versus people who feel safe? You know, competitions, like you you look at Survivor too, and Survivor is not a perfect game by any means, but you see that in clutch moments, these people have the opportunity because these games, these competitions have an element of like, how bad do you want this? Or, you know, I really think, and I've been thinking about this a lot more, and I know it's the tradition, this might be, you know, sacrilegious to say this, but I think the HOH and this, the way the game is played now with these big alliances have so much power. It's so tough that what can you do to kind of break that up or give them another chance? Whether you put a third nominee in there and that third nominee is whether somebody on the block gets to kind of choose or they fight for that. Some sort of thing to throw in there to kind of give the underdogs a chance because it's not just about the minorities. It's just making sure that a whole alliance can't steamroll through that because you yeah. have in Survivor immunity idols where they have to split the vote, things like that. So I would love to see some elements, not just a twist, some difference in the game where it evolves, where we can kind of see that people have a little more agency than winning the veto or winning HOH. There's other ways to change the game up. I mean, I I personally feel like the best thing that they could do, something that has already been proven to work well, is cut the cast by four people at least. Mm. um, and, uh, And bring, like, it used to be Way more quiz comp quiz competitions, I think, are the best kind of competitions. Um, the the ones where you have to study days, those are different. Those are very winnable. Those are very like you gameable. But the ones where you uh, you, you know, watch a video or you're just answering questions or whatever, it's it's pretty much just random chance, more random chance even than these crap shoots like throw the ball into the hole, because mm-hmm. even that has, you know, very, it's very high hand eye coordination. Um, there are some people that just aren't going to be good at it. Uh, and, you know, even then the athletic like, you know, people used to playing sports like those people are going to be a little bit more likely to win those. Um and so uh, quiz competitions used to be the staple of Big Brother. They, like Big Brother 2, like every single HOH was a quiz, basically. Um, and that's not the the best example because there were a couple people that won most of those. Um, but uh, but it really like the, a key element to Big Brother is that you need the minority of the house, whoever they are at that moment, to have a good shot at winning power, because that's really all it takes for as much as. As we are like, oh man, this like it's going all the same way. Uh, it's going this way more because the people in power keep winning power than anything else. If Janelle yeah. had won last week's HOH, we're looking at Cody, Tyler, Enzo on the block. If those guys are on the block, then 
everything around them probably crumbles. If Pacer wins this HOH, we're probably looking at like Danny, Nicole, whoever on the block. If those two are on the block, a lot of stuff around them could crumble and the game could just open up. And both people, Kaser and Janelle, they were both close, very close to winning this. So yeah. um, I do think it seems more gloom and doom than it actually is right now, mostly because we've been unlucky with these competitions. The problem is we've gotten unlucky with these competitions a lot lately. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We talked about it and in Big I, Brother 20. We talked about it in Big Brother 21. It's It happens too often. And I, I really used to like um, those competitions where they show you like, oh, this is what 20 gumballs look like. And this is what in the big container and the small container. I used to love those competitions. I I used to study those all the time. I'd be so good at those. And I feel like we haven't seen those in a while. But like you said, the those those same competitions uh are more geared toward or easier to win for the same type of person. And then a lot of those same type of people are in the same alliance. So, so this is what we've gotten in, you know, in this in this uh, evolution of the strategy and the the big alliance. It's like Karen said, it's not as bad as it, it could be, but it's literally because nobody has one power. Mm-hmm. Any crack could could break all these people apart. But if if the outsiders or or anybody who's not affiliated with them don't win power, then it, it's it's useless. Nothing yeah. will happen. All right. Well, uh, let's let's um, let's move on to the legacy watch here, I think, um, because we've we've touched on some good topics so far, but we've got some extra legacies to talk about. So uh, I want to move on to there. Um, So here is the legacy watch from last week. This is where we landed. Janelle in the Pantheon, Tyler, Kaser and Ian in the top tier. Enzo, Danny, Cody, and Nicole Franzel in the upper tier. Uh, Bailey, Devon, uh, Keisha. I almost didn't remember Keisha's name. Oh, no. What what has happened to us? Uh, And Memphis in the middle tier. Christmas, Kevin, and Nicole Anthony in the low tier. And then David down there in the bottom tier. Um, This was last week's results. Let's get into what you guys decided this week. So I sent out a form, a survey on Twitter uh, at Armstrong Taren. You were all able to fill it out if you wanted. Uh, these are the results that you filled out for the players. This is their legacy, um, their reputation. The criteria is whatever, uh, whatever you wanted it to be, basically. Um, and these are the results that you gave uh, as we go along here. So let's kick it off here with uh, the people we've got. Uh, David, down at the bottom, is going to remain in the bottom tier. He has <laughs> fallen from where he was before. Uh, and this is actually astonishing to me. Um, they're numbered uh, he is very like he is as close to the lowest score possible as I think it's possible to get uh, 94% of people classified David as bottom tier um, 5% of people said low tier and that is like that's 99% of people uh so it's 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 bad ovi <laughs> yeah i mean you know what i i 
if there was a lower tier than bottom tier at this point, he might be able to fall into that here. And I, again, I love, I've only loved for David. He's a great friend of mine outside the house, but within this house, I think it's, uh, he just hasn't been uh, helping himself at all. You know, if Melissa was in here, I'd kind of give her a little shit for this too, but I know she was a, a adamant supporter of David. And unfortunately he has proven a lot of people, uh, wrong there's there's a lot of game left to be played i still want to say that so we can maybe move up to low tier by the end of the game hopefully but um yeah it's just uh i think we're really seeing what happens when you put in like you know a newbie essentially um in a game of people who are returnees and so i would say as we know some newbies have more game knowledge of this thing than david does too so at this point i i don't see him i think it's the right call yeah, there's literally nowhere to go but up at this point. <laughs> there's, there's no way. Yeah, when he was announced for the cast, I was one of those people who were like, you know, give him a chance. Like, I've never been hung up on the whole All-Stars moniker to me. Like, I that's not a thing to me uh, to be, like, so precious that only a handful of people should be given that title. So I was I was not mad at him coming back. I, I wanted to see what he would be given with a fair shake. Um, unfortunately, he just didn't do any of the homework it seems like it, I, I don't think he's snowing us anymore like you know at first we thought he was dumb and then he said he was playing dumb I was like okay and then now it's just kind of like oh no you, you don't know what you're doing so like it it's just been a, a bad experiment and I I want to root for him I really really do but he is just making it very impossible only because the the mistakes that he are he's he's making is just well, it's catastrophic, not only to his game, but to everybody around him. That's that's the big milestone is like not even just impacting your game, but everybody around you. Like, that's crazy. Like, I, I feel like when was the last time we've seen that? Yeah. Priya, can we give David a little bit of credit? Can we give him a little yeah. bit of a handicap here that if, if he wasn't playing in an all-star season with no experience, would he mm-hmm. look at least a little bit better? I mean, it's certainly possible, Taryn. I came into tonight with a question prepared for you because I had a feeling David was going to end up in the bottom tier once more (laughs) with a lower grade potentially. So here's the thing. So today, David said that his main plan for this summer was Love Island. That's what he was gearing himself working towards, right? So now we have this information out there. He said this. I don't know whatever, whether it's true or not. It's another thing. Well, Ovi, do do we have any information on this? That that was a new one for me. Okay, that was a new one for me. And um, there were other opportunities out there, and he turned them down for Big Brother. I, and so he, I know he wanted to do this. And um, I, I've said I've been openly. We we I tried. We we prepped beforehand, and of course now it's kind of embarrassing to say that. But I, I gave him the homework to do it. But there's only so much homework you can give somebody if they don't study it. So um, I thought he did a little more prep than I thought he would. Especially he had a lot of things going into sequester time to read up on and things like that. He obviously was much more interested in Love Island. And who knows? Uh, what is that new CBS show? Tough as nails. He might have watched a few seasons of that while he was in there too. But um, can, can you? I know can you. Give us some detail about uh, about what it is that you w- w- had prepared for him. Yeah, sure. Um, and again, like it's not a whole year because, like, 
I make it no secret. If you're trying to talk to a big brother player about, you know, if, I, if you watch my gameplay, it's not exactly the most stellar in there too, but um, there's certain things you can just kind of look on the outside. This is what you should look at. So like season wise that we, I put together a cast of who I think could potentially be on the cast, 50 different names of people ranking here. And so here's your 10 facts that you should know about them. Here's about Janelle. If Kaser's on here. And so, Every day we would add some people. Casey, I remember, was literally a person I added four days before David flew out because I was like, hey, heard this name here. Great guy. This is a good person that you need to kind of maybe potentially connect to or somebody there. But keep in mind, he plays strong from the beginning. And I think there's certain things he heard and then he ignored the rest, you know. Um, but that, those seasons to watch, you know, what seasons Big Brother 6, 7, 12, 14, 16, 17, because we were thinking there might be players on those seasons. So mm-hmm. what really the seasons that you think there might be people in there? Um, and then kind of going on from like what strategies as in like uh, competitions would be the best. Because what I did was um, we, we had Survivor Winners of War this previous season. So mm-hmm. talking to some of those players. So I'm fortunate that I have a few friends who were on this past season of Winners of War and talking to them like, hey, what did you do? Because you knew it was a returning season to prep for it. And so they kind of talked about like one, mentally, this is how I had to refocus myself. And two, trying to relearn competitions. You know what competitions are going to repeat itself. So what competitions in Big Brother are going to repeat itself? So that's kind of what we looked at, whether it was Otev, the spelling thing. And so I made sure that he's like, hey, you need to know this word to spell and where to put these different things. Um, and then another thing was physicality we talked about is that what competitions that you want to kind of train for, whether that's balance, um, grip training, you know, things like that. David was really about, about he really wanted to work out and do these things. So we kind of made a regimen that what you would imagine would be for like big brothers. So those were kind of the overarching things. And then I talked about strategy, which I'm like, this is what you need to do. But I'll be very candid in saying that they would was a very adamant person about that. The game will change when you get in there and having strategy beforehand won't help you out. So gut choices are matters. So we didn't really get far with the strategy part of things, but um, that's kind of like the, the quick cliff notes of the things we went through. I mean, good attempt, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I made him watch some of your your, your podcast too. Your um, your I forgot which one it was. The insights of players and things like that. And so that was one I, I we kept up with. But uh, Ovi, why do you think um, when people try to talk game to him he, at, at the first few weeks, he kind of shut down a little bit? Like Taryn has noted so many times, well, he'll just be playful, nice, social, David. And then as soon as game talk comes up, it just the he kind of just shrivels up inside of himself a little bit you know i don't know I, david was always he felt that when you talk game you're shady you know that's like this is a game that's very fluid and i okay. think he took that too far when i tell him that i think his best strategy in going into the game is people are going to because it's a returning season value you if you respect their game so play a game where you want to know more about them you know become become the the you want to suck their knowledge in and they will appreciate that because they're already going to look at you with no respect because these people are going to value you've done this, you've done this. What did David do? He went out week, you know, day one. And I say it in the best way possible. So you have a chance though to kind of bond with these people and have that relationship there. So play under the radar if you can, but connect with these people. So I think he really took that as that instead of talking game with them, I need to try talking personal things. But as we can see, David's personal conversations take three paragraphs to get one sentence through. And I say that in the most kindest way possible, but uh, it, it, it just hasn't been working out for him. Yeah, I'm sorry, Taryn. Uh, but like a little, a little bit before this week, um, my thought process with him too was like, um, 
the experience of your your last season of nobody talks game like only us the you know grateful running it I really was I would really use PTSD between him and Nicole A of like really um not wanting to to share their game or feeling out of turn when speaking up and that's what I thought was happening with him the first few weeks or so and that's why I was giving him a little bit more leeway um but like like I said by this week it's just kind of like he hasn't really adapted to the new settings yet and that's that's why it's a little frustrating watching him but I I really do believe that your previous season may have really gotten to him like like we saw it got to Nicole like a little bit more than we would have thought mm-hmm. uh, yeah I think uh, I don't want to talk too much you know I want you all to be able to chime in so let me know if I'm ranting too much but I no, think um <laughs> I think last season, and you see that with Nicole A as well as David, both good friends of mine, but I think this previous season definitely affected them in different ways. I think I knew no David going into the season had a lot of pressure on his shoulders with not just the game. He felt representation was really important, especially in a time where BLM was going on, you know, or it's still going on this, this movement where he wanted to really focus on being an example for others. And I think that type of pressure on him, it took him a while to, to kind of ready himself for the game instead of preparing for the game as much as he should. So I think he was, he, I think he overthinks his conversations for those first two and three weeks over and over and over again, saying, should I say this? Should I say that? Am I worried about this? I think he was so hyper-focused on what everyone outside the house is thinking about him. It's really hindered his ability to play the game inside the house. And I think I picked up, I picked up on that as well. Mm -hmm. So exactly. My, I guess the one question for you, Taryn, is what needs to happen? And I'm not, I'm genuinely asking, what would have to happen for David to end up one tier up at this point? Win. <laughs> Literally, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But if he wins, what does that look like? That scares me. So I know it has to scare everybody in the house. Here's the, here's the real answer. Here's the real answer. David needs to become the underdog, which I think is actually kind of likely. Um, so, uh, but he needs to be an underdog that it's actually, that's actually fighting. You don't, you don't like underdog gives you massive points and they're easy points, but you need to fulfill the bare minimum requirement. Um, right. so, uh, like if he gets to final eight, and it's, you know, a big group versus him and he wins a couple competitions and he takes out some big targets uh, and he's like, I'm going to make my way down. Like people are going to be like, David, David, uh, and he'll he'll skyrocket. That's what happens. True. Very true. Everybody loves an undercat. <laughs> if by some means that David wins an HOH and decides to take out Nicole F and put Danny next to her too, he's going to win Twitter already over by doing that. And I think, again, it's a slim chance. I think um, uh, Terrence talked about this before, that the win equity, that people need to respect David's game enough for it to give him a win at the end of it. That's going to be a difficult thing. So right. he can't play it under the radar game. He needs to be the underdog and he needs to be able to kind of take big shots. Yeah. All right. Next up on the list, we have Nicole Anthony 
staying where she was after being evicted, seeing no no big movement after people who were evicted. Uh, again, in Survivor, Winners at War with Extinction Island, um, we had uh, lots of movement even after the player was voted out. They were still on our screens, but no, no, not not so much for Big Brother so far. Um, if it really continues to be that way, then I'll, I'll just I'll take them off the list uh, if they're just going to stay put and then put them back on at the end. Um, but for now. They are here, and Nicole Anthony is holding in here at the bottom of the low tier. Uh, I I think maybe, you know, being held up by David's standard. <laughs> like if David if David isn't down there at the bottom tier, I wonder if Nicole would be there instead because people want want to rag on someone. Um, but then uh, Kevin Campbell is still right there above Nicole Anthony uh, down there near the bottom of the low tier. Um, Kevin Campbell still struggling. Puya. Not much is changing for all Kevin. I feel like and here's the problem, right? So Kevin, the perception we had, the, the fanfare we gave Kevin when Kevin was announced was, oh, snap. I did not think Kevin was coming. I genuinely did not think we were ever going to see this. You know, they they. The only person whose name they've had in their mouths from that season is Big Jeff. So the fact that it's Kevin, it's absolutely out of this world. What's going to happen? And he came in third one comp when maybe he would be there instead. Blah, 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 blah. Now we have this new frail Kevin who is nothing like a frail Mary who we adore. This frail Kevin is like a wounded puppy, just like you mentioned this morning on the update, where Kevin just takes everything and just gets hurt by it and just like, mm-hmm. you know, festers in these feelings of negativity. And then, you know, when it comes time to start dishing and start, you know, saying some not so nice things about people, Kevin will do it. But then if Kevin kind of gets that in return, Kevin doesn't like that. Kevin is a wounded bird and it's, it's not, it's not great. <laughs> obviously I do think it's one of those things where the given what everyone was thinking about him coming into the season and then seeing what we've gotten from him, this is kind of where we're at. This is kind of why he's not rated as much, but also he's not doing anything to help himself. Like, what does Kevin need to do for me to move up one? Um, he needs to wake up. And I don't think that's happening. Kevin's in a coma at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ovi, yeah. how do you feel about him? Yeah, I mean, he they went back in time and took BB-11, Kevin, doppelganged him, and it's like took away everything in his mind. Like, you know, it's like... Uh, what I talk about, you know, lights on, but no one's home right now. That's how he's playing his game. And it's like, uh, I don't know why in his, in his, in his season of his gameplay, you know, you see him kind of do similar things, but then in the DR, he talks about like, I'm fooling them, you know, I'm doing this. I'm like, you know, he plays this up and I really just wanted to see that and for the first two weeks, I was going to give it kind of a pass and be like, maybe he's fooling us. Maybe he's really trying to do something devious and he knows, but like, no. So his, his reads are on here are probably, and I guess it says a lot for the season that his reads aren't the worst of this cast right now. We've had some really bad reads on there, but yeah, I'm just uh, like Puya said, I'm not very impressed with his gameplay. And I think he, um, he might be dragged a little further, but he needs to get some agency if he wants to do something. In here. Yeah. Kevin, I, <laughs> he, when I tell you when they announced Kevin was coming back, I was so excited. Like I was really excited because I thought that he's very underrated as a player in general, especially as like a, uh, a person of color as well. Um, I think his game is very much struggling because unlike his, his season where there was like sides and people were like, there was an actual war going on and he was kind of like trying to just tiptoe around the people aiming at other people 
that's not happening. There's one huge side and they're picking off the people who are trying to lay low. And he doesn't know how to navigate. I, I'm, I mean, I'm thinking he doesn't know how to navigate when there's no open hostilities. And so when he keeps being put on the block with there being no open hostilities, he's taking it personally. He he's thinking that it's something that he was doing. You know, when we go back to um, Cody's HOH and he was really sad and, and all of that uh, about that. But I don't, I don't think he's, he's seeing the forest through the trees. Like I don't know what's going on with him. Like, like Puya said, he's asleep and I just don't know what he could do to wake up. Be quite honest. Honestly, I think it ties into what we were talking about earlier, where the game has evolved beyond Kevin's means, you know, Uh, like he was great at big brother 11, but this is double that. This Literally. is Big Brother 22. <laughs> and he doesn't know how to operate in the game now. It is more fast paced in the sense that it all happened real early and now it's all happening behind the scenes and he can't see any of it and he missed the he missed the boat. Uh and he's he's looking around. He doesn't know what to do. He's now the pawn of the season. Yeah. Um and uh and that's uh he hasn't been able to adapt. So yeah, and, and now that I thought about it, also they were clear. <laughs> they made it real easy for him to read who was with who, giving everybody clicks and, and alliances yeah. already made off of that. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah, and I think we'll see a lot for this. You know, when we talk about these players that you know are on this lower tier, is that they're just kind of no one's their enemy except themselves. They're their own worst enemies on this season because yes. they hinder themselves, and for whatever the reason, they turn on the people they are most likely could align with. And I think that's kind of what's so frustrating to see with people that, you know, Kevin turned on, made, made it look like Janelle was enemy number one, that she was some sort of snake in that house. And he by turn turned Nicole against Janelle. And then he now does not want to work with Kayser very much. He, he really doesn't have anything. He thinks he's, you know, a snake almost. And it's, it's confusing to see this because these are the people you, you know, you're on the bottom of this totem pole. Um, but he has no interest in working with people. Yep. All right. So above Kevin, last week was Christmas at the top of the low tier. This week, Christmas has moved up to the middle tier. Bottom of the middle tier, but she has landed in the middle tier. Uh, and there we go. Christmas there. I have to say, I she's been proving herself this season. Um, I I feel like... This tell, tell me if I'm if I'm losing my mind here. Uh, I think that Christmas is one of the better players this season. I think she's maybe like top five. I wouldn't say you're losing your mind, Taryn, because I've come to terms with this myself. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've, I <laughs> yeah. have. Like, Twitter. I mean, Here's the thing. Oftentimes I forget that Christmas was third in her season because Christmas finished in the same place that, you know, we just talked about Kevin did. Nicole Anthony did. You know, the other two people in that lower tier were also third place finishers, but I feel like I saw their game. I saw them do stuff. I really didn't see Christmas do much. I think, you know, we, we give much more credit to Paul for doing a lot of the maneuvering there, especially with her foot being out of commission it was very obvious that she was casted for that that physical physicality that she never got to show us um she hasn't really shown that here she is the only woman who has won a comp so far but that's not even what gets her credit what gets her credit is 
her social play. What gets her credit is that she comes in here and she's able to mingle with these, you know, with these great players and do it really well. When I see her guiding Kaser, I'm amazed because I'm like, you know, obviously I recognize that Kaser isn't a top tier player of like, you know, strategically or any type of way. And my Hardy's number one. But the fact that Christmas is giving him good advice. Wow. The fact that today, Chris Enzo was like, yo, I don't know if I have to talk to David about, you know, not using the veto. She's like, yeah, that's a conversation you need to have. She's giving advice there too. Like all of this, I think talking about, I, I didn't expect much from her to see all this, but then also recognizing that it's good social play. She's in a position where almost everyone's good with her. Almost everyone wants to bring her in as their parachute or their side alliance or their, no one's going to know this. And she has a lot of the blueprint of the house in her hands. And she's maneuvering in a place where I don't think many people see exactly who she's most loyal to. And that's a great place to be for her. She just had this comp. I genuinely, when she won the punishment, I thought, man, it's going to be boring. I don't see Christmas. Christmas was a team player. That was the most fun of the punishments for me personally. I enjoyed that segment. I enjoyed watching her, you know, play ball. It's been, it's been a weird situation for me because when Christmas was coming into the season, and I don't know why, I'm, of all the people I'd monologue about, do you think it'd be Christmas? No. Um, she comes into the season with, you know, the, the TMZ stuff on her and like the, the lack of gameplay in 19. It was like, why are we getting Christmas? But how, who would have thought Christmas would be one of the more positive people to see in this season? Not me. No. 100%. I did. Again. Oh, sorry. Uh, nope. <laughs> no, you go ahead. You go ahead. Again, Christmas coming in, I was like, I actually said, I want to see what she can do without a broken foot. Like, I, All Star meant nothing to me. So I'm actually loving seeing what she's doing. I mean, I hate that she's targeting Bay and Day because I think that they actually, especially Bailey, it's kind of weird because Bailey really likes Christmas and really wants to work with Christmas, but Christmas has been brainwashed by Nicole F to wanting to get her out. So that's the only criticism I have about Christmas. She's putting in the work socially and she's doing a really good job. I'm looking at the board and basically she has a relationship with everybody on it. My only concern with her, she is easily manipulated by the people she wants to be manipulated by. And I really wish she could take the information that she gathered, that she put in the work for and make it work for herself instead of for other people. Yeah. I think that's spot on. I think uh, that if she just detached herself, if she was a little bit less loyal, um, then, uh, then she would be a much better player. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. I think, um, Christmas, I, I mentioned, I, I was doing a write-up earlier today, and I said that Christmas uh, is playing very unlike her game, and she is playing like, you know, a Labor Day in the sense that she is a very unmemorable holiday in the best way possible, because right now she is on nobody's target. She is doing a phenomenal job by, and I think players messed this part up, because she's in a great position in the house, but she's not overplaying her hand. So many people, and I think Danny's a perfect example, that she was in a good position in the house with these connections, but she's overplaying her hand way too much. Christmas knows that, you know what, I'll help people this way, help people this way, but it's only week four. I don't want to push too hard for something that I know is going to put me on somebody's target. So I think Christmas is right now, I, I would argue, in the top five positions in this house, right, especially for the girls. Right, but the thing is, I think she 
because um, Enzo and Tyler are really pushing for her to win HOH next week to take a shot at like either Bailey, Bailey or Davon or to take a shot. I think they said Memphis or something. But anyways, they want her to win HOH next week to improve mm-hmm. their position. But that would be bad for her position. I really wish she could see the board and be like, hey, I really don't need to win anything right now or at least not at HOH. But yeah. they're trying to push her into making a bad move for her game. And I really hope she realizes that before it's too late. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, above Christmas on the list, we have Devon, who has continued to drop below Keisha, below Memphis, just ahead of Christmas in the middle tier. Um, this still feels wrong to me. Because Dave, personality Davon, uh, Davon the person is is so so top tier at the very least. Um, her gameplay, though, I know has been disappointing many people. Uh, Mari, I, I see you reacting here. How do you feel about this? I'm so sad and dejected right now. Like, um, Davon, I really is. I felt like coming into the game, she was in a prime position because she knew a lot of these people. She was um, good with a lot of these people. And we saw it. We saw it that first week. She was in a great position, her and Bailey, but Davon right now was in a great position. And then that second week she took a tumble and I was like, okay, girl, you know, get back up. And then last week it was just like a knockout. And I just want her. I think she's reeling. I think because of what happened last week and, and, what's been happening over the last two weeks it's getting to her the game is starting to kind of get to her in a sense and i think she's now trying to figure out who she can trust and i think the paranoia has really gotten gotten to her and she's not um uh removing herself for a minute and trying to really look and see what she's working with and um i really hope that she kind of just calms down thinks it through um get get the information that she needs to get and maybe um just play a little bit softer i guess is i don't know if that's a great word but i just i just want her to do better her reads have been off they've been off and on off and on um i i i think she was on a great track with tyler and that david stuff happened (sighs) it just seems like again one step forward two steps back yeah, I I feel like um I feel like she needs to like watch Doctor Strange Love like uh like just like like learn to stop worrying and and love the, and love your allies because like this is this is a problem for her Puya. She's really in a way her own worst enemy because I think yeah. you know we talk about Kaser how much we love Kaser he's one of our like he's in my like top five. But uh, not as a as a player overall, someone I like, you know, he's been having very important conversations on the feeds and that's been shown on TV, which I appreciate. Mm -hmm. Davon is the one other person that's also been having very important conversations that have been on feeds and on TV that I like. And Davon to me is like a top five DR by far. Easy. She's done it on two different shows and she's done it flawlessly each time. (laughs) Davon is literally her own worst enemy when it comes to with the, her paranoia and with the way she plays the game. I rate some of the things she does. I do. I do like the idea of let me throw some crumbs out there and then find out who the squeaky wheel is. Let me find out who the uh, test someone and see where their loyalties really lie. I love that. That is fun stuff. But 
when you're in a position where you don't have that ammunition to use and you're still using it, it will put you in trouble. It will put you in a place of doubt. I feel like she was in a good position and just slowly and slowly it got worse. And I do think a lot of it has to do with her and, and the way she's gone about it, the way she's handled the relationship she's had, you know, we, we always point back to her in 18 and Hey, you had an opportunity to be the middle of two showmances, two pairs, and you didn't take it. You hesitated. These have been problems that she's had before, and I'm not really seeing improvements there. And then I add on top of the reads have been a little bit off and then add on top of the paranoia that is very much a self-encompassing situation. It's, it's unfortunate to see because she is someone that I do enjoy seeing on my screen. And I was very happy to see on my screen. I think uh, a problem that Devon might be facing and that I think a few different players on the season might be facing is uh, is she is having to contend with her reputation um, that she uh, her first season. The thing that she had that she was known for, she spotted the twins. Yes. Um, like she had great reads she was really good at reading people and calling things um she she went into season 18 and she had some good reads she had some bad reads things didn't totally work out for her but the reputation of having good reads stuck like i might not have made it far either time that i played but i'm really good at seeing the field uh of solving the puzzle and i think that she might have come in having to contend with that, having to like, uh, like not want to look like a fool, not want to have it, have the wrong read. If she's with people and they're double dealing and she doesn't see it, then that's going to make her seem like she can't read that situation. So she's obsessed with figuring out, like I need to, I can't let them play me. I need to have the right read, but the, the quest to find the right read has, has put her in a position where she, she has no power over. Yes. No, uh, I I think the thing with Devon is like, I was super excited to see her come on this season because I think she is an all-star on this with, by she, you've seen her on Big brother from the challenge that she brings the entertainment on the show. You know, she's a top tier DR queen, but when it comes to this gameplay, what she's been doing, I think her issue is that we see in the first week too, is that her relationships start really great. But her, the way she form, like works in these relationships, many times it deteriorates. So we see that within, you know, her time time with like Cody, with Tyler, with David, and I worry that this just continues to break trust with them. I think there's some sloppy moves that she did with that whole trio with her, Danny, and Tyler, and there was some lies that got spurned, and that ended up Tyler kind of mistrusting her. And then with this, she being part, and I, people kind of forget, but she was a bit of part of the flip. Sp- the boat's being flipped on David last week, even though she wasn't like, you know, the train, you know, rider and you're making it go forward. She was part of those conversations and kind of entertained a little bit. And so I think if she kind of came clean with David about that, that would have mitigated this whole mess. Not to say it wasn't David's fault with him trying to fact check things, but I think by that ability of not coming clean to it and convincing herself that she was never part of a plan to flip the boats on him, it just kind of blew up in everybody's faces. So I think that she just kind of has a, you know, downhill, uh, position right now and I think Bailey is helping out a bit trying to kind of keep her not to blow up and I think having them both together working together is great for her game but I also worry about their scene as a target together and I think they're going to target Devon before they target Bailey so um, I think yeah I think her position right now is uh, is valid all right above 
Devon, we do have Memphis here, uh, who continues a slow but steady rise from uh, from the fall that he saw. Um, he started the season in the preseason. He was in the upper tier. Um, but then in the first week uh, when he was HOH, um, he, he crashed down into the low tier um, and uh, and has slowly found his way working back up through the middle tier. Um, so here he is, Memphis, who I think is having a similar trajectory in the game with the other players where uh, his so like we were talking about week two, Memphis could never win a jury vote uh, week four, Memphis absolutely could win a jury vote they love him in there uh some of them at least uh, they're talking about like uh like you know he he is uh he's social sociable he's um he's likable um he does morning shows with Kaser. he's uh he's like very approachable now um and he's like it they kind of joke about how grumpy he is because it's kind of endearing to a degree. Um, and he's not really on too many people's radars. He's, he's the new, one of the new subjects of Danny's, you know, ire, but she's kind of, uh, her days, her days are numbered at this point. So, uh, Memphis, uh, I, I think his reputation will continue to grow until he wins HOH again, Ovi. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I think this is one of the spots where I think David could have shined and we could have really seen Memphis become a target in potentially. I think coming off of David being on the block and he had a lot of rapport from people who felt bad for him within the house. And Memphis was kind of like, even his own lines were kind of iffy about him. If David didn't try to, and this is just my opinion, I could be wrong about this, but if David didn't try to be like, Things are cool. This is great. And like, I'm not going to pick you for a have not, you know, I think if he really was, because he was at that point in Tyler's ear, they were very close. And if he was like, Hey, I think Memphis is somebody, I don't know if Tyler would have nominated him, but he's somebody that I think we really need to have his eye on. David could have kind of created a coalition of kind of anti-Memphis people in there. And I think we would have seen Memphis in a worse position and help David out because it gives him an ability to have somebody against him. Um, but we didn't really see that. And so we've seen kind of Memphis from his HOH kind of slink back in there. And the person he made the most mad was David, but though David is not really showing that Memphis kind of stopped free now, similar to how Cody, his first week, he put two people up there and neither of them, one is gone and the other person doesn't really care that he put him up there. So um, I see Memphis now he has his alliance. They believe in him. He's going to go far in this game now. Yeah. He- is the quintessential, you know, the we hadn't seen him win. He had his first, right? He wins his first HOH. The HOH itis proves he should have never won one. He should be fine if he doesn't win one, you know, and he did get. So here's where he got lucky, right? So he goes after David hard and everyone gets mad at him for it. And everyone, you know, both inside the house, outside the house, everyone's like, what are you doing? Relax. And then week three happens and now everyone's like, everyone's out there in that house calling him a rookie. Everyone, Tyler's calling him a rookie. Cody's calling him a rookie. Everyone's like, what is up with this guy? Who was the first one to do it? Memphis. Like now is he Mr. Memphis. Yeah. It's like, oh, he's like, I, I hate it. I said David's a rookie before it was cool. Now everyone's before one mainstream. <laughs> and like, he really is someone who will get by by just being himself because He's, he's harmless to anybody's plans unless he wins, because when he wins, he has his own agenda. Forget my alliance. Forget anyone I'm working with. If I want something done, I'm doing it. That's the way it is. But then ultimately, it's just endearing, right? As the, as the curmudgeon old guy, he's kind of endearing. He's like, oh, it's Papa Memphis. Like, whatever. He's not going to bother me. He's fine in here. 
And he's, I think he's someone that I, we're going to see him make it far. I, I don't see him going anywhere soon. I know that he's on Danny's list, but let's face it. Who isn't on Danny's list at this point? Like, <laughs> everybody on that list. So I think he's going to be fine. I think it's safe to say we're going to see him in jury. And then we'll just have to see where the numbers play out there. Because I could. he's one of the ones where it's like he's an unproblematic pickup for a number. Right? It's like, oh, I need him. That's the one I'm going to work on. Because he's not going to really like do anything too much against me if he says he's good with me. He might not listen to me, but he's good with me. So that's good. Unproblematic in Memphis. I don't know if I would <laughs> in a specific way. In a specific way. <laughs> but um uh Memphis is really lucky that he survived his case of HOH itis. Because oh, yeah. not many players do. He did. Um mostly because he left those two targets in there that everybody had asked him to get rid of him leaving Janelle and Kaser in the house. Um, Tyler wanted it the next week. Tyler did not like what Memphis did his week. Tyler was very upset with David going on the block and how Memphis uh, did that. Um, but he won HOH and he took out Janelle and Kaser because he had to get rid of that big threat for his alliance. And Memphis set that up perfectly. I mean, I, I hated his HOH week. I'm not a big fan of him, but that was a good game move. And he, he played it perfectly. And even um, Tyler laying in the bed at night, like, wow, I just had to take out Janelle and that might not have even been my best move. Like you got to give it up to him. Memphis did what was good for his game. And maybe some other people need to think like that as well. All right. Uh, above Memphis, we have Keisha, who uh, hasn't really moved a whole lot on this list, but uh, other people have fallen behind her. Um, so in that way, it's uh, interesting. Uh, above Keisha, we've got Bailey, who continues to drop. Bailey has the seemingly opposite trajectory of Memphis, where she started down in the low tier uh, in the preseason then had a massive jump up to the upper tier um, and has since started steadily falling from the upper tier uh, as her game seems to be in decline. And uh, and also even just last night and today, she's been getting into it with Kaser um, in a very weird way. Um where she's she's frustrated with Kaser, and now you can you can understand a little bit that Kaser's approach. We've talked about this a lot. He's very direct. Um, he can sometimes come off a little bit condescending. I think. Um, I don't think he means to, but uh, but I wouldn't blame Bailey for feeling condescended to if uh, if I were in her position. Um, but I think that a lot of people have found her reaction to Kaser to be uh, a little uh, a little much that uh, she's uh, really berating him um, and going upstairs and like uh, kind of engaging in this kind of like bullyish behavior of like uh, like, you know, laughing at him and like, oh, I don't want to go down there and talk to him. Let's look at him in the camera and laugh and um it's not very fun to watch. She had a very uncomfortable conversation with him earlier today. Even Swaggy is now on Twitter. Like, uh, like I want Bailey to be evicted right after Kaser because she needs to see what's up, uh, essentially. Um, and I don't think that this is something that uh, a lot of people have cared for. Buya. No, I don't think so. I mean, you want to you want to move down any likability list, any legacy list. 
like harp on Kaser, right? That's kind of the move. But also beyond all this, I think in the coming into the season, it was all like, well, Bailey was in a good spot until she won power. And then look how bad she managed that. But the fact of the matter is, Bailey started the season relatively strong and it's gotten a little worse each week. I do think that part of what she's saying isn't wrong. Like you said, Kaser can be a little condescending. Um, I can, I can say this because I love him and I see it. You know, I, I'm going to call it out. But then I do think that Bailey, her game did kind of go downhill a little bit because of that connection with Janelle, for sure. Because right now, anytime something happens because of the, because Danny, Detective Danny, needs to know who did the hinky votes. And it's like, hey, look, she's wearing Janelle's clothes. Is that not a bigger clue than anything? So that connection has definitely given her trouble in this house. And the Kaser link hasn't helped. That whole link hasn't helped. But I do think Bailey's kind of in this position, this mindset of right now, hey, what's the key to being in the good position? Rag on Kaser. Yep. Say Kaser's, Kaser's the villain. Kaser's the one we all want out. I want him out. This is how bad I want him out. I'm not willing to walk out this room because he's around there guys like see i'm one of you i'm bonding with you guys like we're on we're on the same team right now isn't that awesome that's kind of what bailey's doing and i don't like the move i don't appreciate the move but i kind of understand that for survival she's got to do what she's got to do in that house do i wish that she wasn't talking to caser with with the with the anger that she is yes but also she might be frustrated. She has one avenue to take it out on, and it's Kaser. She takes it out on anyone else. She's confirming what they've already been accusing her of for weeks now, which is like, ooh, Bailey's got a, got a temper. Bailey's going to be unhinged at some point, which I don't like at all. Mm-hmm. But that is the reality of the case. The one person who's not going to say anything about the way she's been reacting to them and isn't going to use that to their game advantage is Kaser. So it's the right choice if she needs to let it out. But I feel bad at the same time. Yeah, and, and she's also, I think, vented to to Devon uh, about it a lot. And she was actually talking to Christmas about it earlier as well. Like, um, she and Christmas was Christmas is doing Christmas's thing, which is just like agreeing without understanding. Um, so like Bailey was talking about how annoyed she is with Kaser because he's always so gung ho about like facing off on the other side, all this stuff. And Christmas is like, yeah, totally. I was hyping him up yesterday and I really I was getting him to a place like, hey, we can't focus on that. We have to win the veto. I was all about helping him out. And she was like, that's what I was doing. And Bailey was like, right. Um, but I'm annoyed at him. She was like, yes, exactly. We're annoyed at him because of the things. And Bailey's like, yes, I'm glad that we're on the same page about this. I'm glad that somebody understands. I'm glad it's not just me because I don't, I feel like, uh, I don't want to be like, uh, wrong in this situation. Like, I don't want to be mean to him for no reason. So I'm glad that you're on the same page and Christmas is definitely not on the same page. (laughs) So with Bailey, I, she had her, her game has been declining or, or, but I honestly don't think it's through a fault of her own. Unlike Davon, who has like been actively blowing up her own game. Yeah. Uh, Bailey, Bailey to me has not. Bailey's threat has risen because other people have found her threatening. Um, the only misstep has been the whole David thing. And I, again, still trying to figure out how that went from blaming David, blaming Davon to, oh, now we got to get Bailey out. But I also, uh, nobody likes this new thing with her and Kaser. Um, I really do think she's mourning having to leave Janelle. I think she's trying to put some distance, like Puya said, between her and Kaser because 
like even when Janelle was there, she was getting frustrated because she kept being, being getting put in the boat with both of them when she's like, I, I tell everybody we're friends, but we're not working together. I think it's just like who y'all said, it's, it's, it's frustration. And then she, she can feel it. I think she, she's a smart girl. I think she can feel that people are a little wary of her, especially the girls. So yeah, like we've said before, the, the new school way is finding somebody ostracizing them bonding over that um ostracizing of that person and i really hate to see it from bailey because you wouldn't you don't want to see it but let's be honest the whole whole house is basically doing that you know caser has the stank on him so it's not like she's the only one in there but it's it's just really unfortunate but i don't think she's um, dug her grave yet I can still see Bailey coming through and going very very far um, the girls want her out the guys want to keep her and right now the guys are riding all the <laughs> they're riding the checks they're the ones driving the boat so she's in a good position like that and um, I honestly think that if Davon goes before her which I very much think that would happen I could see her going like all the way. And, and the fact that Enzo and Tyler um, see her in their in game, like, well, you know, Tyler a little bit, but it's a good, it's only a good thing for her. So, I mean, I hope, I hope her uh, game rises, but I, um, I don't think she's dead. That's right yet. Yeah, it's, it, it is. It feels very like early days, Nicole Anthony to me of like, uh, like sort of, you know, blame, blaming Kaser and Janelle for, uh, for your troubles a little bit. Um, but I, I, I do like, I do think it's important to continue to point out like the, the environment that Bailey is facing right now. Um, I, I do not like how she is treating Kaser. I don't. Um, but she is also being treated in a way Way that is not as obvious um but uh you do have uh, like she has one little slip up with nicole franzel and uh and now nicole is turning the entire house against her uh danny is you know doing things like saying she thinks that bailey stole uh janelle's clothing um talking about how bailey is aggressive um it's saying that she's gonna blow up uh and you know th- like that that kind of being in that environment is is going to uh, it puts a lot of pressure on you i think yeah yeah most definitely and i think i might be one of the few people i could be wrong this but i'm still kind of high on bailey's game i i think she still has a lot of things going for her and i think she's in the mode where like she's not going to make an army to fight this other side she still believes she's part of this other side of some people there i think what she meant her allies are going to go one by one out till she's kind of the last one. And then this alliance is going to turn on itself and she's going to be kind of the, the shaker of that thing where she can go. And I see Bailey still going pretty far because she has some solid connections within those guys group and they're the ones writing the checks. And I think once Danny, I think Danny's going to go before Bailey. And then when Danny goes, I think that shakes up a lot of things and helps Bailey kind of make some more connections with the girls there too. So that's kind of my take on that one. I, I definitely, no one's really happy with the way she's talking to Kaser. But again, I will say that everyone has a mean conversation in that house. Everyone has their bad days. And I think also she still personally has love for Kaser. Like she knows on the outside, they're going to hang and things like that. So in the house, you're going to have those mean moments. I don't think they should define you in that, it, that time of day. And so I think when her having those conversations with Kaser, like being like, Ugh, to them, 
I, I try to give a little more benefit of the doubt for her there because we'll see you down the line. And at the end of the day, too, right now, he is on the outside. And for her to move forward, it's probably not amounting an army to go against people. It's more so to kind of get closer in with some of the people on the end. And as her allies go away, she will be the one person left where they're going to use to have her shaken. Before you know it, I really do think we can see Bailey in a final five, final three. And she has the ability to win competitions. Last week, on her BB20, she won week five, the HOH. We're coming into week five. And it wasn't the best HOH for her to win at that time. We saw that. But from her time in the challenge, from her Big Brother house, I know she can win competition. So I'm still putting a little more stock in here. I think she might. I, I would even say she might deserve to be not even in the military. I think she still could be one of the few people a little higher than that. But I know I'm in the minority for that. Mm. Well, I will say. She has to. She has to chill on Kaser. If she keeps do, if she keeps yeah. kicking Kaser, if he loses this veto and she keeps kicking him while he's down, like I'm gonna start to get less understanding as time goes on. Because right. like the poor guy is on his way out. He lost his best friend. Like let's chill on Kaser. Um. All right. So above Bailey, previously it's been Nicole Franzel at the bottom of the upper tier. This week, Danny. Briones has fallen below Cody, below Nicole, to the bottom of the upper tier. Um, continues to fall, Danny. Uh, people are, I think, like, it is, I think, twofold as well. Her gameplay has actually been, I think, the best it's ever been. Um, and it's, she's still, I, I, I think that. Christmas might be a better player than her, um, but it's arguable, arguable. Um, but she's still up there in terms of like top players of the season so far. Um, despite that, she's been making a lot of mistakes uh, and getting in a lot of trouble. She could be leaving soon. Uh, but I think the big one here, and I think I've already touched on this a little bit, her behavior in the house has really turned a lot of people off. Um, and I have to imagine that that is con- uh, contributing a lot to this uh, decline here, Ovi. Yeah, yeah, I think, man, I've said this before, Danny has had too many hands in cookie pots, and she does not try to hide it. And also, from that type of gameplay, you know, you're like, oh, man. And then her attitude within the house, um, it's just not really, I, I don't like it. And I think she has, you know, we, we've seen some microaggressions out of her. And I'll say that, you know, against, you know, whether it's Bailey and some other people in the house, the comments she's made, I just, you know, and this is coming from my season too, and like watching it back, and like the comments she's made are just not cool. And I don't, I think sometimes they, they go past the game level because it's like when she's talking about some of the players in there, it's nothing to do with game. And it's like, why are you saying that? Like, what, where is that coming from? Because we have not seen, like, we're watching everything. And I know for a fact, like, that quality that you're saying about these people does not really exist from anything I've seen there. So I think that's turning people off. Um, and I think also that's, that's rubbing people the wrong way. I think there's some players in the house seeing her talk about like that. And they're like, huh, I don't really, you know, I don't know how I feel about that. So we're seeing Tyler being a little sus about her. I think Cody is kind of moving away from her. And I think this, this week too, she's pushing very hard for David. And in fact, Enzo, I think that kind of convinced him like, hey, I don't exactly want David to be going home right now because of this. I don't want you like you brought up in the beginning, like where I want to make the moves. I don't want you to tell me how to make these moves right now. So I, I think Danny might be a casualty. We'll see very soon from if somebody else gets in power, or somebody within the alliance wants to make a move. Um, depending on how this veto goes, um, say Kaser wins the veto. I do think there is a slim chance that Enzo backdoors her 
if uh, we we read an update about like Davon thinking about she wants to like press the issue about putting David up. If Davon just <laughs> just. <laughs> <laughs> and, and let Danny then try and press the issue to piss Enzo off. <laughs> Maybe we get a Danny backdoor, but I mean, I Danny, like Ovi uh, uh, pointed out, has very much dropped a lot of microaggressions. And of course, um, as a black woman, it, it is not fun to see. I don't like it. Her game has really been pissing me off, which is crazy because I was really, really high on her coming into the season. I rewatched her seasons coming into the season. And and the funny thing about that was I remember rewatching uh 13 and I was like, wow, you know what? I think I didn't like Danny in this season. Why didn't I like her? <laughs> she is amazing. Trying to go after uh the couples. And then I'm like, oh wait, now I remember. But like her game could be so much better if she would just uh take her foot off the gas a little bit um if she didn't when the the way she kind of makes social connections is she makes social connections but then she kind of feels like um she's leveraging leveraging them all the time like the people that she's making those connections with kind of start to feel like oh she she wants something out of me and i i think that's starting to happen within these these weeks a lot of people are starting to realize that i think she needs to realize that maybe she just needs to back off and then just try and actually really get to know people instead of just talking game all the time or trying to plant seeds all the time um i think that would be the only way to get her back on a good track but i don't think she she sees it. I think she's getting super, super, super comfortable. Um, and it could be her downfall. I, yeah, I do think that I echo what both of you have said about the microaggressions. And it's here's the thing Danny operates in a way where, right now, if you look at this, let's say this was a Mario Kart <laughs> game, okay? She's on lap three of four. And then the people she's making fun of and roasting and being very inappropriate with are like in lap one. Like there's no, you have such a lead. You don't need to be doing this. You don't need to be talking like this about them. It's very much burn book and mean girls level of mean, which is not necessary. I was about to cuss. Um, so, I, but I do think if we're going to talk about her game specifically and then talk about why the game has been, because I do think there's parts of her game that are good. There's parts of her game that she's doing well in. I do think it's excessive. Again, for me, keep playing the game. You have to keep playing the game, especially in an all-star season. It doesn't matter how good your position you're in. You have to keep playing. Someone like Tyler proved that. Without David even messing the stuff up, Tyler's always playing the game, always on, always operating, doing it right. Danny's doing the same thing. The problem with Danny's method of gameplay is that it's a lot more conversation. It's a lot more forward. It's a lot more trying to get more agency and control in the stuff that's going on. And because of the nature of Big Brother, because of when you have the power, when you won a competition, that's how you can make the moves. No one ever said you have to do that to make the moves. The problem is the people that have had the power are not liking that she's trying to make them do the moves because she's unsubtle. That is the biggest knock against Danny's game. She is the most unsubtle person trying to play the sneaky game that I've ever seen. 
because <laughs> it's very obvious what she wants you to do and she can't even hide it. I don't, she has no way of being able to hide it. Her, her thing in the beginning of the game was, oh, you're so cool. I thought you were so cool. Like, I really like you. And it's very obvious then what was going on. It's very obvious now when she's trying to pin the, the bring up the hinky vote every chance she gets. Pin it on Bailey. Pin it on anybody. Pin it on David. It's like, we, we see what you're trying to do. And they're seeing what you're trying to do. Too. This is how bad it must be that Enzo is talking about wanting to maybe do something this week. Like, obviously, there's other people ahead in that pecking order that Enzo would put up. But the fact that she's even being brought into the conversation means she's doing something wrong. And the wrong is you're not subtle enough to do the maneuvers you want to do. So stop trying to do them. Relax. And you'll be OK. Yeah. All right. Uh, above Danny, we have Nicole. There she is, Nicole Franzel. Um, hanging in there. Not too much movement this week. I don't think anything has really changed from the last time that we checked in with Nicole. Just Danny has fallen below her at this point. Um, still playing a pretty good game. Um, still being uh, pretty annoying. And that's it's pretty pretty simple there for Nicole. I have nothing to add. Yeah. Very annoying. <laughs> yeah there isn't much else to add i will say um i i want to also hold nicole accountable because roasting aside because i've definitely been one of the people that said i'm not a, really a fan of nicole in her gameplay right but there I, I did see a thread today of comments that nicole has made towards some house guests in her previous games that have a very similar uh, makeup to bailey to davon mm-hmm. and we're talking she did this with amber she did this with zakia it's a very similar pattern that I see with her. So the microaggression is very well and clear with her too. The biggest thing for me, Taryn, and like the biggest thing for me, the reason why I don't like is that Nicole well, is the type of person to be like, go into an exam and be like, oh, I failed that exam. And then gets an A. a. That's what it is for me. Like, <laughs> if you're owning the snake that you're being, if you're owning the, I'm going to say these things about Janelle in the diary room, maybe I'll Maybe I'll enjoy it. But when you're like, oh, I didn't, I wasn't, I was, they made me be mean. Like I didn't want it. Now they have ammo against me. Like relax. Like we, we see what you're doing again. You're not being cool about it. This is the worst type of person for me personally. That being said, what Melissa has said about her potentially being the first two time winner is not out of the books because she is working. Karen, everything she's doing is working. It's frustrating that it's working to me, but it's working. And if she wins, she does end up in the conversation of, hey, you know, in the rankings, where do you lie? Like she does come in as the, the upper echelon of winner rankings, of legacy. But this other stuff for me has to change because I just can't stand it. To quote a very wise man, own your shit. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Brent. But yes, like it is very the the micro microaggressions, the victimhood of it all the it's very annoying and we want sandra diaz twine we want you to cackle as you as you knock these people out and become a two-time winner this whole woe is me i don't know oh i'm so scared it's annoying nobody wants to see that like we know that's not you we know that's not your position like who are you doing this for like who are you really doing this for and it's not for me because i don't like it and i i just don't i can't subscribe to it but i do believe she's in a very good position to make it all the way um 
I do believe that she could definitely be a, a two-time winner. I just hope at some point she just owns her game. If she flips a switch, be a villain, be a full-on villain, please. Like do that. I feel like more people will respect her and 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 almost root for her if she just go full heel, heel turn, full heel turn. Full heel what, turn. Yes. Yeah. What if what if uh what what if like um the she makes it to the finale? Um and she she wins the game. She comes out to confetti. Um and she goes, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's all been one big long con, you suckers. <laughs> Two wins. I'm out. Peace. Mic drop. <laughs> yeah, she. You know, and it, it's it's been really interesting because like when I when I first came out of the house, Nicole. Nicole was one of the first people who reached out and she was very sweet to both me, but mostly to Hannah too, which I really appreciated people being like, just showing, cause it's just so it's tough and you don't want people to be mean to the people that you love. So she was really there for us. And so like going to the season, you know, I, I was excited to watch her play because she was so sweet to us outside. I was like, this is somebody I get to watch, you know, now that I know, cause at that time I, I was a very big Paul person too. When his first time in 18, I was like, you know, but getting to know Nicole, I was like, okay, this would be cool to watch her play. So it's been, you know, it's been it's been a struggle sometimes because I don't like the way she treats. Like there, there's been microaggressions, and I just don't. As a person, I don't like seeing that. I think to Puya's point, it just really turns me off. But I'm going to get ranked over the coals. I know for this, but as a player and the way she's playing this game, I think Nicole is in the top tier of this season right here. And I think she has one of the best chances to be a two-time winner because she is so insulated. And I say that, that from every side, no one, and she's a, she's already a winner, one of two winners on the season. No one really wants to get her out right now at this point. No one is, you know, and the people who are bringing up her names are turned down by other people. So she's playing a game where I think the game that Danny wants to play, where she has a hand in a lot of cookie jars, but she has a knowledge to not, try to overplay. And the thing about Nicole is that she is very smart and strategic the way she's doing this. And she turned the whole house basically on Janelle by making her to be some sort of snake and playing this victim type of thing, making other people who should have been Janelle's allies, poisoning them against them because she's like, she's a snake. And they're like, oh, she's a snake. So Nicole knows what she's doing. And again, I think to Mari's point, I wish she would own it because she's doing it very well. She's poisoning people against the people she knows she needs to get out of the game. But then she's acting like she didn't do that. So I wanted to go and say, yes, I poisoned the well. I, 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 y'all are, all are dead to me. Like, I did this personally. Like, I did this. But um, that's a frustrating point. But I do think as a player, she's playing this game very well. All right. Uh, above Nicole, we have Cody. No real movement there. Um, Cody's stayed flat the entire season, which I find interesting because... I've always felt like Cody is underrated as a player and I feel like he's kind of showing that off this season. Um, but he has not moved. The The dial has not shifted at all for him so far. Um, so I'm curious to see if it ever will. Uh, if he continue, I mean, he's in the driver's seat right now. I think he's the front runner right now. Um, if he continues to be the front runner, will he start to move up here uh, as a second place finisher? If he gets close to the end um will he have the the upward mobility to 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 go upward or uh, or is he stuck here i don't know it's interesting with cody because you know cody is someone who goes to the end and then takes the person who would ultimately beat him and defends this for many moons to come and then now he's back in the game his person's not there there's you know allegedly 
that person helped him set him up nicely with this cast, whatever. I don't want to talk about that. But within yeah. this game, Taryn, yes, what? I mean, just people keep talking about this like it's fast. Nonstop. Like, yeah. <laughs> like Danny was like Danny, Nicole, and Enzo were part of a pregame alliance. Enzo, who's best buds with uh with evil dick. Um, Danny, who Cody didn't trust at the start and didn't want to include in his alliance, and Nicole right. who lied to Derek about being on the season. They were clearly in a preseason alliance set up by Derek. Oh my god. <laughs> right, exactly. Like that's the thing, is like the the fact of the matter is, you know, we talked about this uh, a little bit earlier. The, the whole, the, the comps have worked out in their favor. They're like, they're not as physical this so far. They've all worked out in their favor, but Cody was the one who was very vocal about, Hey, if Janelle goes, Kaser needs to go next, no matter what, none of this, like he moves to the back of the line because he's got no one because if a comp happens, you know, this is a problem. He, he literally said that enough. And then he voted Janelle and he agreed to do Janelle. So they, they do him this favor. He's definitely someone who is safe within the the many layers that this game has. I think does he have the most final twos at the moment? It's between him and Tyler. And I think ultimately, Taryn, that for me, that's where the interesting stuff gets. When we get to the civil war that is Tyler versus Cody, I feel like Tyler's gonna have the upper hand. And I think that Tyler's the better player. That being said, I think Cody is doing way better than I would have thought he did. Um, I think there are moments where I see that he needs that Derek. Definitely. But I do think that he's doing, he's a DC. I mean, he's always been a decent player. Like socially, he's good. He's got comp prowess. Um, it was just, does he have the strategic? Does he have all the strategic down? I see, I see little bits and pieces of it here and there, but ultimately he's been able to navigate it. Well, he's been able to navigate it with Ian relatively decently. He's in a good spot with Nicole. Obviously he's in a good spot with Enzo, who is like his main, he's good with Tyler. Like he's got very good one-on-one -on -one connections with the most of the Alliance people, which is exactly where you want to be. Because when you look at it, like the, the Danny not having as good of a footing, it's because she doesn't have as many one-on-ones with everybody in the mix there. I'm really um, wondering if the Tyler Cody civil war will even happen to be quite honest, because uh, with, like I said, day and Bay. Um, and the whole David situation, it just keeps for, like they're being forced together. Like they're already being talked about Cody and Tyler, yeah. Cody and Tyler, Cody and Tyler. It almost feels like they're being forced together to stay strong, to protect each other. But I think the only way that that war is going to kick off would be kind of like a by proxy war. Like if Tyler, one of Tyler's main allies, say Christmas goes up versus one of Cody's main allies like Nicole, but who would even put up that type of combination? So I, I'm really, um, I do can't uh, want to see what the end game with uh, Cody is going to be, because I just can't think that all these people want to take these very strong men to the end. Like, I, I, have we not seen the last three seasons? Like, I just don't understand. Um, well, so, mm-hmm. No, like what you talk about, like the, the civil war, right? I feel yeah. like because uh, we talked about it w in, in season 20 um, at the level six civil war, like we talk about it and then like we're kind of disappointed came. when it comes up. But like, I, I, I again, like when I, I'm thinking about it now and I think that for me, it's been a failure to communicate what the civil war actually is. The civil war is being fought right now. Cody and Tyler are fighting for their pieces on the board for when the time comes that one of them is going to succeed and the other one doesn't. Uh, so like when we talk about like, will the civil civil war ever happen? It might, it might be that 
by the time we see the results of it, it's like a quiet execution. But right now, the battle is, is being waged. So it's a Cold War. Yeah, kind of. I mean, <laughs> like it's it's all happening behind this. It's all happening yeah. like behind the scenes while other stuff is playing out. Like they're they're trying to pick up allies. They're trying to set it up so that uh, one person wins, and by the time they make their move, they've already won. Yeah, and and that's a boring part for all of us. It's like I I really want to see. I want to see some open warfare, man. I want to see it. Um, but other than that, Cody's doing a really good job. I mean he has sat in that spot because he is just, he made his people in the beginning that first week. He ingratiated himself. He is the key cog in almost every alliance in the house. Like we predicted that he probably would preseason. So, I mean, he's doing a really great job right now and there's, there's nothing more to really be said about it. Um, I don't really see a slip up for him in the foreseeable future, unless Kaser stays. Yeah. Unless Kaser wins the veto and stays. Right. I mean, I, and that I, is just all slim chanting. No, most definitely. I think it speaks to the testament of Cody that we're already talking about how the end game is going to be played with him. Right. You know, we're already seeing, like, we're, we're dictating this season being a civil war between Tyler and Cody. So I think that speaks up. There's no question that Cody is in a, a great position in the house. And right now, the game is revolving around him. The error, though, I think, where you know it's easy to foresee that is that players know that he is a power structure in the house. If you want to break this power structure structure in the house, if you get Cody away, the game is a different game. You know, things can fall to different pieces, and so I think people from the outside that's they might come to that conclusion when they get power. You know, Kaser already sees that. Whether say David Bailey or Devon, Kev, I don't even want to put any time to get if any of them get power in a twitch and realize that hey i i have some time to think do i need to shake this game up and how do i shake this game up is taking out cody and i think that's where cody's only and it's not even a fault of his own it's just that he is so visible and i think that's where tyler even though he's visible it's not as visible as cody holding the power structure um but yeah i think you know if this is a cold war they're both trying to wage their war but i could also see um either they're going to cut each other out in double eviction or they could be sitting together at the end of the, like, you know, the final thing, realizing that they're the only two people and their game is stronger than the other, but they're close enough that they don't need to, they can get other people out. So I could either see them cutting each other out on double eviction, one of them, or going to final two together. So um, that's where I see. But Cody, I, I think he's ranked in one of the highest right now. I've had him in like top two, three on my power rankings. All right. This is exactly why Taryn likes this game. Like the way Taryn described that the war is happening right now, like Taryn's <laughs> cognizant of this kind of stuff. And this is the stuff Taryn eats. Like this yes. is what he likes. So Taryn, the, I, I see why. I see why Taryn's like fire never goes out, no matter what season we're giving. Because <laughs> this is what he looks out for. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's let's try and pick up the pace a little bit here because we've also got a whole set of other <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, people to talk about. Um, so let's let's quickly talk about Enzo, who is there above Cody, uh, just barely, but still above Cody, um, who is I just I think Enzo still doing well, still entertaining. Um, no real reason for Enzo to uh, to have a lot of movement here. Um, he he did move up from the preseason, but he's been cruising ever since. Enzo is someone who I think is by far going to show up what he was before. And I think is going to up his equity, his legacy 
with everything we've seen only thus far. I think Enzo's been kind of safe from the minute he came in, but he's also put in the, the work. I think the fact that he thinks his only flaw is no comp wins, and then he's coming in and he's churning out some wins, that's good. Obviously, the more you win, the bigger your target. But I think so far, no one's looking at him like that physical target yet because he's you know hiding behind the Tylers and the Cody's and like they're not really still considering Enzo in that position. But I do think Enzo someone who, for me personally, is a real contender to win this year, like big time, big time, because he's got his alliance sorted. He's got he's like trying to find a parachute. He's, he's doing decently with trying to find a parachute here. I think that Enzo someone who's only going to get better. And here's how much I like Enzo. I love Kaser more than anyone that's played Big Brother. But I still really like the Meow Meow, even though the Meow Meow put him up. Like mm-hmm. I enjoy seeing Enzo on my screen. So entertainment factor too, he's up there. He really is. I really would love to see an Enzo win this season. Like he has done amazing. He's been social. He's treated everybody with a grace. Um, he's really funny. He's made actual connections with people, not just um, game connections. And he's won competitions. Um, I really would love to see him win. He's he's been great. He's been like a breath of fresh air. Yo, this yeah. Mari, I like her a lot, yo. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, no, Enzo is somebody you can't say he's a shadow of his old self. He he is himself and even plus more. Like he had a strategy going to his house. He wanted to make it similar to the brigade. He's done that strategy so far. He's executing that, but instead of just being, you know, constant in that alliance of his, he has branched out and made connections from everybody in the house, from Bailey to uh, from Tyler, Cody, everybody there. So, and I really enjoy watching him play. He's a fun type of player to watch. You know, Hannah talks about him a lot. She's like, he's super funny. I love him. She was like, had her wisdom teeth. I was like, who's your favorite player? And she's like, and so he's so funny. Like, <laughs> he, he's really cool and I really enjoy him on the season. I can definitely see him bring out a win because I just don't see any circumstance where one of his allies are like, we need to cut him. I think they're going to go to him. It's like, who should we cut now in our alliance? All right. Uh, above Enzo, we have Ian Terry, who last week was at the bottom of the top tier. This week, Ian has fallen down to the upper tier. Um, uh, it's a it's a decent fall too. He's only barely ahead of Enzo anymore. Um, uh, Ian finally starting to drop, uh, which is I think what I've been expecting. Um, I think uh, a lot of people had rosy memories of Ian's game in 14 and they're kind of seeing uh, more of the reality of it here. Um, and that's, this is, they're sort of reconciling these, uh, these differences here, Mari. Yeah. I mean, I love Ian, like as a person, I love that they showed his like autism struggle on the show. Um, I really I really wanted to see him kind of like mix it up when he came back. Cause like we said, he matured, um, man, I just kind of want him to just step on the gas. <laughs> I want some people to come off the gas, but I want him to step on the gas. I really want him to do some game maneuvering. Um, I don't know if it's just because I'm like bored with him or if I really feel like his game needs it, but I, I'm just so confused as to where he's going that I just don't know what, what to say that could be to write that course. I, I'm like I said earlier, I'm really confused as to what he's, he's doing. Um, Cause he has no agency in the game. He, he really doesn't. But again, maybe that's a testament to the better players that they make him think that he has some. Yeah. I mean, Ian is somebody who played, 
what, um, seven years ago? I believe seven years ago. He was 21 at the time, or eight years ago. And he's 22, or 29, sorry. Excuse me. He's the same age of Cody on this season. Like, he is one of the younger players on this season. Like, I, 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 I was thinking he would be able to connect with some people a little bit more because I know that was something he was working on, he said. Um, and I've just been really disappointed in him. He's, he's a formal winner here, and I think the strategy came into this game was just kind of the wrong strategy because you're going to get a target on it when you're especially the one of two winners. I think he might have thought there was going to be other winners, maybe Josh, Casey, so he could kind of make it more of a winner's alliance there. But when you see that Nicole Franzel is your only winner in there, you know that you are going to be in target, and Nicole Franzel has more connections with you, so you're going to go before Nicole. So you need to make up that ground. And unfortunately, until this week, he has not been trying to connect with that outsiders as much as i would want him to so uh, i worry about him. yes yeah. uh sorry somebody in the chat said um that uh that he said on the cam uh, to the feeds that uh that he's not going to go out before nicole um that was a fake update a long time ago that had that came out that uh i think is still going around uh that people still think it might have been true uh ian never said that about nicole on the feeds uh just just to, to let you guys know I yeah, so I feel like the kind of to quickly echo what everyone else has been saying. I think Ian kind of is playing this game of I'm going to be in Nicole's back pocket, tethered, and just make my way to the top. But what what he's not seeing is that people want to take like weaken Nicole's position in the game, and that means taking him out because he is a direct link to her and her only more than anybody else. I think that coming in as a one of two winners and having one winner be in such a better spot than you is not good for him. He's kind of doing what, you know, we were talking about Bailey having to do now with Kaser, where it's two weeks in a row now where all he's really been doing is selling people that were in a good standing with him down the river to kind of like try and fit in. But the problem is all the slots are full. You're like on, on the wait list for these alliances that are never going to open up. So you're in a bad spot anyway. So it's just, it is what it is with him. I do think that obviously the, the beginning game has always been his weakest from what we saw in 14 or we're seeing now he needs more time, but I don't know if they're going to lend him that time this season. I really don't think so. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, above Ian, we have Kaser hanging on there in the top tier. He has fallen a little bit though, and he's starting to edge toward the upper tier. Um, if this is his last week, I think he'll probably be able to hold on. But, um, you know, it's it's not been a great it's not been a great week for Kaser. He's not exactly shown himself to be the best player ever, um, which is like this is so weird for me because like I'm I'm tweeting things out like, OK, sir, you're digging your own grave by saying like things to Danny uh, and I'll get like a bunch of replies like, uh, how dare you? Kaser's great. Uh, you know, it's, he he's he had no ch- He's already in the grave. There's nothing he can do. Um, <laughs> I thought you liked Kaser. Um, it's like <laughs> I can like somebody and also criticize their game. Also, you you Kaser come lately you you are the you cannot be a true fan of Kaser because every true fan of Kaser has understood for the last 14 years that he's not a good player every fan of Kaser from the old days knows that it's the coldest take in the world to say Kaser was evicted three times pre-jury he's not that great of a player guys we've withstood that for years and now to say that I can't say that Kaser's not doing his best eh, Oh, come on, guys. Like, 
we we been new like this is this is our caser this is who we've claimed i've claimed him i love him but i also know that what i'm here for to get from him is not what i'm going to get from him you know in the pre i i talked about him in my hypothetically speaking i was like you know what this is the year this is the year caser makes jury i know it he's matured he's you know he's got good social now because you know he's got a family he knows how to talk with different people he does he's done all these things successfully He's back where he started. And now that Janelle's not there, this is uncharted waters for our boy. And he's going to go off the deep end because no one is giving him the time of day. No one is giving him what he wants. And he is the only person out of every person in the outsiders who is not afraid to risk his position in the game to try and get a coalition. Everyone else doesn't want to be the person to do it because they don't want to risk their position in the game to be on the losing side of history. Case is the only one who doesn't care. He's the only one who's going to want to do that. That is one of the reasons why he's always going to be beloved by the community. That is the only reason why he's going to have as high a rating as he has, given the level of gameplay he has. He is beloved. He's get, he had, he has had so many important conversations this year than the last five years of Big Brother have touched with a 10-foot pole. And I love every bit of it. I'm so happy we got him back in the house. I am not eulogizing him. It is not over. The veto is happening right now. If anything, everyone right now, you're seeing this, get your candles lit. Let's get that prayer circle going. It might work out for us, but we got to call it what we got to call it. Kaser from BB6 and BB7 fame is not the best player in the world. He's just not. Okay. It hurts. <laughs> Say it ain't so. But, it hurts. Oh. Um, well, I am, I keep looking at my phone every two seconds because I'm hoping that the veto <laughs> comes back. And I mean, I just want one bright spot from this season so far. Like, give case of the veto. I want to see the chaos that ensues. Um, and I mean, this is where we pretty much thought he was going to be at. I mean, him and Janelle coming in as a duo, I don't care what anybody says, that was a target that they walked in with a target. The two best duo pair walking into All-Stars 2 no matter how many years after it was the last time they played like that's a they're going to be targets so let's put away that bulls crap about like oh if they haven't played for the safety comp they wouldn't have been the targets they were going to be the targets and I am sad that Janelle went home but I did want to see Kaser without her and I really still wonder if the votes stay the same does he still have a chance because i mean i'm looking at the board cody really wants him gone we know that cody really wants him gone you i'm pretty sure nicole and danielle definitely want him gone as well everybody else have already said that he's good for their game literally everybody else so you know you know Kevin makes one wrong move, he could go from being the pawn star to evicted. You know, pawns go home. So I don't know. Like Puya said, this is not a eulogy. Until he walks out of the door on Thursday, I will still hold hope for Kaser. Um, and I, I hope he can pull it out. I really do. Yeah, Kaser's ability, I mean, this game up to week four has revolved around him. His ability to make me, whether it's a long time, short time in the game, 
he impacts it so much, not just with his gameplay, but his DRs, the conversations he has. Like, I love Kaser. Like, I loved him so much I had to follow his, his example and leave pre-jury my season. You know, that's how much I was motivated by him. Um, but, but the thing is, is that the game style he plays depends on him winning power, somebody very close to him winning power for him to make a change up. And the reason we love him is we know that he's going to make a big move. But for that big move to happen is he needs to get power. So it's so, a, you know, it's like a, um, the survivor reference, like a Mike Holloway thing. You need, you need to have power in this game for him to make a move. So unless he wins the veto or he has somebody close to him win the veto for a changeup, I just worry we're not going to see much longer of him. I really hope he can survive this week. I'd love to see him take a shot and change up the game because he's the only person I think who can at this point. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, you already know if you're a Caser fan, you're, you're going in for a meeting. You know, you, we love him for how he is, but I mean, game wise, the stats really aren't on his side. Yeah. Well, Kaser for me is and forever will be in the Big Brother Pantheon. But uh, above Kaser, we have Tyler still there hanging on in the top tier. Haven't, hasn't really moved much. Um, I don't think there's a whole lot to say about Tyler so far. Um, I think we can all agree that uh, if he wins this season, we're probably pushing him up into the Pantheon. But until then, he's hanging out here just below it. So, I mean... Look yeah. no further. If if there's one thing we got to point out, look how he fixed everything David did last week within a span of 24 hours. And that is why he's worthy of being in the top tier, regardless of how the season shakes out for him. If he wins, he's up there for me. He's like up there with a big debate coming. All right. So yeah, I like I like Tyler's position. He's doing really well. I mean, you can't dispute that he's doing really well. Tyler's, I'm biased. I love Tyler outside of the house, inside the house, but he, he is a masterful player and he plays five minutes of Big Brother, which is versus somebody's three days of gameplay. Like that's how he can play the game. And he's by far, he's shown that he can play the game for two people right now. And if he was not in there, David would be gone last week. I'm, I'm very confident of that. So I, I just really hope we can see Tyler get an army and amass it and be able to kind of make some cool moves. I think he wants to. Yeah. Okay. So the question is, Janelle, last week she was clinging on to the Big Brother Pantheon status. She was evicted. Does that bump her down? Can she maintain her status in the Big Brother Pantheon? The answer is yes. She actually got a decent boost up. She is now solidly locked in the Big Brother Pantheon. Janelle legend big brother god uh she's in there queen of big brother queen of big brother Undisputed. is janelle the queen is is are we locking it in janelle is the queen of big brother yes. i would i would lock that in yeah yeah all right there you go yeah okay yeah so unless you guys have uh some thoughts on janelle we've got we've got a whole other list to go into why did we do this to ourselves (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna run through it quickly here we're not gonna spend too much time (laughs) we're already two and a half hours in um but uh here we go janelle big brother pantheon let's talk about some of these other players that were on this other list that is probably fake so i don't want to uh continue to uh harbor it but it's a good opportunity to show some of the other uh people here um in comparison to the cast that we have right so um Bottom of the list of these new people uh, was Casey. Casey, and they, uh, you guys decided to put Casey right here. 
above Keisha, below Bailey in the middle tier. That's where you guys felt Casey was should be placed. Um, I'm not too mad at that. No. Yeah. Middle yeah. tier winner, middle tier ranking. Yeah. Um, above Casey, we have Lisa Donahue above Bailey in the middle tier. Um, also, not too mad at that. Oh. Two for two. <laughs> <laughs> um, above them, uh, we've got uh, moving into the upper tier, we have Mike Boogie. Above Danny, below Nicole Franzel in the upper tier. Um, <laughs> Just saying it, fam. <laughs> Have you guys been reading the news? <laughs> I don't think it's a real CBS. That's why I say this is not really truly CBS. I think it's this is the audience. This is audience. This is, audience. This is the listeners of this very podcast. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. Uh, but gotcha. the fact that he was even on there, yes, I think, <laughs> should have been an indication. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, no, that's not it. That's not it at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, yeah, no. <laughs> you got two out of three. You yeah. got one wrong, way wrong. <laughs> all right, uh, above Mike Boogie, but still below Nicole Franzel, we have Maggie. Winner of Big Brother 6 in the upper tier. This is too low. Yeah. Guys, this is too low for Maggie. Um, Maggie is, she's a top tier winner. She's top tier. Yeah. I, I yeah. agree. But like, I, I, I'm surprised that they put her as high up because I feel like she's a very underrated top tier winner. I feel like right. not many people would share that sentiment. When I was filling this out, I really did. I was like, upper. I was like upper no she's top like I like you forget maybe it's because we were all rooting for the other side (laughs) but Maggie was great at the game so definitely top tier yeah um all right above Maggie uh let's see here we're going to place um above Maggie and above Nicole Franzel now but below Cody in the upper tier Jason Guy. No. No, not having it. <laughs> How do you put him anywhere other than top tier? I don't understand. Jason Guy is top tier minimum, <laughs> top tier status minimum. That's it. That's all. Yo, I'm done with it. Yeah, yeah I think that's just because so, it was so wild, long ago. I think some yeah. people just have, you know, there's a recency bias. So people, BB3, people think they yes, play Big Brother at that true. point. In fact, he did. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, not not a fan. Not a fan of that placement. Right above Jason Guy, you have James Ryan. Um, still below Cody. Yeah. I'm I'm fine with Jason uh with uh with James Ryan in the yeah. uh in the upper tier. Mm-hmm. I think that's proper placement there. Um all right, above James Ryan. And also above Cody, Enzo, and Ian, the new uh, reaching above everybody else in the upper tier so far, we have Hayden Moss. I, I will agree with this. I know I might be that. 
I think his game in BB12 and making the brigade is the blueprint for many alliances to come and people want to emulate. And of course, there's an argument of like, did he create that with his other people in there that were really impactful? But I think him, he, he just made a blueprint of that. And I think that in itself is so impactful to put him up there. But that's just my opinion. I personally ascribe to the belief that Enzo, the meme, meow, meow, came up with the brigade and Hayden just was the one that benefited from it. So yeah. I I mean, I get he was a very social. I get he won the comps, but he's never been an upper tier winner to me personally. personally. Yeah, I subscribe to in the in the power ranking of the four of them. Hayden was the bronze person. He was third for me behind the meow, meow and the brains. But then one, so I feel like because he won, he's going to get all the, the, the main credit. But also, I know that, Taryn, I know that you're a big fan of the, the Hayden, mm-hmm. especially because the other thing is, like, I want to give him his due there. He, he crosses over to Survivor and does a decent job mm-hmm. there, too. So that is not easy to do. Yeah, um, I have to wonder if, uh, if like, um, you know, he was rumored for this season then cut uh he, he was not on the season um i feel like he's a top tier winner i feel like people may might not be the biggest fans of him uh on a personal level yeah. um so that may yeah. have uh impacted sure. the score as well so um above hayden moss still in the upper tier we've got evil dick he beat his daughter again so um i personally didn't like um just some of the uh antics that evil dick did during his season but his brain for the game is like very amazing and astonishing and i didn't realize it until i again went back and watched uh 13 he was only there for like a week and yet he really set the blueprint for that whole the um returning alliance for the whole season they didn't listen to him but he definitely had laid those groundwork before he left like bringing spencer in um um to the 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 returnees and telling them like hey you guys need to pick up some of the newbies and get them on our side like evil dick's mind for the game and you can tell that he loves the game is um is really why he is an upper tier winner even though like i said sometimes i i don't like his antics and some of the stuff that he did to get there but i i do really respect how um good he is at that game yeah i'm just gonna Um, disagree with that one (laughs) (laughs) like like um rhap Evil Dick benefited from one Eric Stein being up in birth. Um, oh, right. So, the twist. Yeah. Love, love Eric Stein. We love Eric Stein over here. Obviously, that's. But the one thing I will say, Big Travesty, like, how is he above Jason Guy? Like, how? Yeah. how, how no. This, this, again, this is one of my the same nits for me. No. Yeah. All right. Evil Dick, I think one way I judge them too, I think if you take a player from one season, you put them in a different season, how would they do? Of course, cast matter a lot, but I don't think they could emulate the game he played on his season to win it on any right. other season and win that season. So I think it, it worked in that specific case, but uh, that's that's where I think we would have some conversations about. Here, here's, yeah. what, here's what I'll say for Evil Dick in terms of just like uh legacy in terms of how memorable he is as a character for the show he is definitely up there he's one of the few people that i think gets named by the casuals still um even though he played in big brother 8 and was barely in big brother 13 so yeah memorable i I haven't seen big brother 8 in a while 
because I, it's not really one of the ones I like to go back and revisit. But like I said, I was actually really shocked how much he had did in 13 in the really short t- amount of time. Like, I, I don't know if you guys went back and watched it, but he really told the returnees, look, this is what you need to do to make sure a lot of you guys get to the end. And it like they did that, like after he left, they, they, they stuck to his plan for a while. And then they, they tore at each other. I think what I'll say about that is that uh, a lot of us felt like, uh, like David looked very impressive in big brother 21. Very true. There you yeah. go. <laughs> the um, David defense. It's it's very easy to look good for a week. Is what I'm <laughs> is what I'm saying. Um, so uh, let's see. Above Evil Dick. Oh, this is uh, this is an interesting result, actually. Oh, no. uh, right above Evil Dick. Pretty close vote, but still above him in the upper tier. We've got Andy Heron. <sighs> You know, someone who's not going to like that. Andy Heron would tell you himself that he is in, he should be placed much higher. We will see a tweet about that. Andy Heron, uh, definitely a top tier winner. Um, uh, I think uh, still the audience doesn't always appreciate him. Um, I'm surprised he got this high uh, to some degree because of that. But uh, good to see that they appreciate. He came close, came close to that, uh, that top tier. I'm going to be honest. I can't remember where I put him when I placed him. Um, so. Everything I have to go of his winning is from what I remember, because I will probably never go back and watch BB 15 again. Never. Um, But I do uh, listen to all of your breakdowns. And I do agree that he did a phenomenal job of, from what I remember, just pulling uh, the remnants of the outsiders and and getting rid of the people he needs to get rid of. And uh, the perfect rat floater game, if you will. Um, I, I mean, upper tier seems fine to me. I mean, top tier is also fine. I just, I will just never know because I will never watch that season again. <laughs> and and I, here's something that I think uh, to to make this a little fair, and I think Andy would agree with this, uh, is that um, as a character, he wasn't he wasn't that fun to watch on the screen. Um, and I don't think that was entirely his fault. I think that the editors didn't really know what to do with him. I think the producers didn't really know what to do with him for a long time. Um, and so he wasn't really able to shine in the way that he could have as a as an entertaining character. Um, and this is legacy. So uh, I think that uh, that did not help either. I do remember rooting for him in the end when the exterminators came. But that was literally because everybody else was just horrid. Like they were so i mean i do remember having fond ish memories of him as in like the better of two evils or whatever um but i yeah i i'm not yeah i I ranked andy pretty high actually because his game is just a very underrated game i think in many times and i think if you look at the chat's really split on it too some people are like yes he should be real high and some people are like no um but yeah, I think I think if you take Andy and you put him on any other season too, I think he does very well as well too. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me uh, if I'm looking at the uh, the stuff here. Andy, decently decently polarizing here um, yeah. for uh, for the audience. Um, all right, above Andy, this one surprised me surprises me a little bit. Um, landing as the last person in the upper tier, Paul. Hmm. 
Um, I honestly ex- expected Paul to land in the top tier. I know he has a lot of detractors, but uh, Paul is a huge name uh, in Big Brother at this point. Two final twos back to back. He is literally like the face of Charlotte, one of the more hated seasons. But um, in terms of character, he is so widely known, um, uh, but uh, not going to not going to crack that top tier here. Yeah, I, I, it's a shame. I, as someone who, who likes Paul, big fan of Paul BB-18, not so much in BB-19. I still think that credit where credit's due. In 18, he brought a lot of entertainment in there. He did a lot for us, you know, like, so I appreciated him from that standpoint. The catchphrases did get tired because we had him two seasons in a row. That's for sure. But I think it's someone who should have been, I mean, I think even if, if he's not top tier, the best of the upper is okay with me. Like top, Tupper tier. All right. Uh, above Paul. Now cracking the top tier. Um, and it's going to be just above Kaser. Um, so Kaser is going to be the bottom of the top tier. But above Kaser is going to be June Song in the top tier. Great placement. June, Perfect. top tier. Glad to see you did, guys didn't screw this one up. <laughs> um, oh, if you want to hear more on June Song, uh, you can listen to the Big Brother Four blockumentary. Though it's in, it's all out. We did a whole retrospective podcast on the entirety of the season with June. She talked about it all. Uh, great stuff from June. Um, all right, above June, we have Brittany Haynes in the top tier. Um, I'm okay with this. Brittany for me, I I I'm I'm cracking Big Brother Pantheon out for Brittany myself. I I love Brittany. I think she's hilarious. Um, top tier makes a lot of sense though. She technically hasn't had a lot of success in the game. Um, even though I do think it took a Dan Giesling to ruin her in Big Brother 14. Um, and uh, but like character wise, you gotta say she's up there. She's top tier. Yeah, Brittany Haynes is another. I would say she is uh, can be considered a face of Big, uh, Big Brother because, like we said, she's definitely top five DRs of all time. If not, some people put her at one. Um, so I, yeah, I'm not mad at this. I mean, th- we had no criteria for this. It was like, who do you like, basically? So I'm yeah, fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, maybe she should have played. Maybe that would have gotten her higher. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, So uh, above Brittany, and what what a pairing this is. We've got Rachel Riley Hmm. up there in the top tier. Um, This again feels relatively appropriate to me i feel like rachel definitely has an argument for the big brother pantheon we have to remember though janelle just barely cracked it this season didn't start the season in the pantheon herself um and with uh with rachel unfortunately not able to play in this all-star season i think that's uh that that hurt her to a degree i think rachel also is uh slightly polarizing uh, at the very least um even though she has many fans she also has many people that uh are not as big of fans but um for me again i feel like uh i i love rachel yeah I, I i have her in my pantheon i think she's one of those to be if janelle's in the pantheon i think rachel needs to be on the pantheon. she is one of the faces of this big brother 
a winner. She she is a name most people know. And yeah, she is polarizing, but her her quotes are still seen there. Her like yeah, it, Rachel Riley. She she is uh, known for game as well as personality. Top tier personalities, winner, um, entertainment out the wazoo. I mean. Yeah, that makes sense. Passionate fan of the game, even when not in the house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. L- listen, <laughs> probably listening to this podcast. Um, Rachel. <laughs> so, uh, looking at looking at the stuff here, she actually has uh, a decent amount of people who did put her in the Big Brother Pantheon. Unfortunately, she also this is the polarizing thing. She had a lot more people uh, throwing votes down toward the bottom um, for her uh, in comparison to like Brittany and June and uh, the others up here. So I think that's that is part of what kept her out of the top of the top. She's got those detractors. Um, all right. Above Rachel, we have, hold on. I need to see if she's just below Tyler. Vanessa Russo. Appropriate. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think this is very appropriate. Um, Vanessa and Tyler are two people that I have compared a lot, compared and contrasted a lot as two of the best, you know, modern players. Um, and uh, Tyler came back. He's doing very well. Vanessa, unfortunately, did not come back. I uh, was not able to come back. Hopefully she does someday. Um, but I feel like this is the right spot for her. It's not too far away from the Pantheon. If she did come back and play again and did well, I think she could easily crack it just like Tyler might. But for now, this is where she sits. Yeah, this season sorely needed Vanessa. And here's her the gameplay wise, as well as just kind of her erratic behavior. Sometimes I just would have loved to see Vanessa in this game with this cast i think it'd be very different um vanessa's play style has always been one that i i loved i love the whole approach of approaching somebody and telling them what is best for their game (laughs) you know and showing them what the way for them is that also it happens to benefit me too like i love that type of gameplay i would love to emulate that if i ever got the chance and she deserves she deserves this She's on my list of modern players that I need to see play a second time and like top of that list, not just on that list. So I look forward to when we get that, hopefully when we get that. All right, here we go. There are four players left. First. Um. (laughs) This is, this is not good guys. Daniel Reyes just missing the big brother pantheon. At the top of the top tier. That hurts. So I'm not going to lie. I was a little confused about the Big Brother Pantheon. Because I, I must have missed it. And I think on the survey. It's like at the bottom. Oh no. <laughs> so I, was like, I was like. That sounds fancy. And I feel like that's above the list. But you know what? I think top is the top. That's what top means, right? Oh. <laughs> but. Uh, that aside, I love, I mean, I love Daniel Reyes. I, who, what black girl are you going to say that doesn't say they like Daniel Reyes? She is like one of the people that I, like we all strive to um, play like if we ever get on the show. She's the DR queen who sequestered the jury. I mean, there's so many things you can say about Daniel Reyes. She's just amazing. And I want to see her again so, so badly. Um I mean, again, we saw her in All Stars, but I, I mean, I want to see her again, again. Just keep putting her on my TV. I don't care. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, I, this this might also like be be my fault. I, I put Danielle. I didn't put her last name. I I didn't even think I, with a lot yeah. of the other players I did. But like to me, like what other like what Danielle Murphy? Like I was like, well, I didn't think to put her last name. But there were people that were that I guess thought it might have been Danielle Murphy um, who talked to who tweeted me about it. So that uh-uh. that could have hurt her, I guess, a little bit. Maybe some people thought it was Danielle. Danielle Murphy. is like Beyonce. I knew exactly who you were talking about. Need one name. No There's last only name one. needed. There's only one. <laughs> what are we talking about here? All right. Um, here we go. The top three. We've got Derek cracking into the Big Brother Pantheon uh, below Janelle. But in the Pantheon, um, he managed to slide in there. Um, the only uh, the only one time player in there. Um, in fact, the only one time, the, the closest one time player is Vanessa down there uh, below Tyler. But uh, I mean, Derek's impacts cannot be denied. Yep. So. I, need, I need to see that second try, though. It's got to happen. It's yeah. got to happen to be, I mean, to be in the <laughs> people are people are not encouraging it, unfortunately. No, no. Um, uh, but uh, hopefully someday. Um, all right. But that leaves us with two more. The top people. Not to give anything away. Uh, (laughs) They are, in fact, (laughs) both above Janelle. The question is, who's on top? I can tell you that it is actually pretty close. But we've got Will Kirby and Dan Giesling. Number one, Will Kirby, number two, uh, in the Big Brother Pantheon. Uh, there it is. Yeah. I mean, we've already we already decided this five years ago, right? In the winner <laughs> rankings, but uh, in the legacy in legacy watch as well, Dan has taken the top spot. Yeah. I mean, I I like them both. I like them both, but yeah. I always I don't know. I maybe it's because I was a Doctor Will fan first. I just love Doctor Will. Um, but it, they're both there. They're they're both at the top. There's no point in arguing over that. Yeah, I think this is always going to be like the Jordan LeBron argument to some yes. fans, where they're just not going to be. And you could bring stats for each of them and what perfect analogy. Uh, like I'm in the boat because I watched Dan seasons first before I ever saw Dr. Will essentially. Mm. Well, they don't. And so I, I was always, you know, Dan was like my person that I watched the show and then went back, saw Dr. Will and things like that. But, uh, I, I think you're just never going to make anybody happy. You're always going to be polarized. Who's one, who's two. It's the LeBron Jordan debate. Perfect analogy. I will say this might surprise some people. Um, I do count Dan as the better player. I, I, I might actually put Will at my number one on Legacy Watch. Um, he's the OG. He's Dr. Will. Uh, he's, uh, it's, it's hard to, it's, it's not fair, but he came first. Uh, and, and he's the guy I, I, I liked first. Uh, I, I was, I was a Dr. Will guy first. Um, and then I was a Caser guy and then Dr. Will beat Caser. And I was like, all right, fine, Will. Jeez. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then, then Dan came along, uh, and, uh, and Dan was like, sorry, Will. And I was like, okay, Dan's a better player, but Dr. Will's legacy. I don't know. I you feel mean- like, I feel like he's number one. He walked so the Hall of Fame could exist. 
You know, like mm-hmm. he's the reason why this, this all has been paved out. He was the first one. I think he brought a lot of entertainment into it. He comes into an all-star season and does some wacky stuff, gives us entertainment, gives us gameplay, does it all, does it all. And then Dan comes in after everyone thinks there will never be someone else in the conversation. Dan comes in, what, four years, five years later, does it, then comes in 14, does it again against all lots, has a funeral for himself. These are both incredible players. These are both incredible entertainers. But I think at the end of the day, got to tip the old hat off to the one who made it all possible to begin with. And that's Will. Mm-hmm. There it is. Uh, interestingly, I, th- I thought this was interesting here. Um, so Dan had a higher percentage of people that put him in the Pantheon. Um, he had 89% of people who put him in the Pantheon to uh, Dr. Will's 87%. Um, but comparatively, uh, again, 94% of people put David in the bottom tier. Um, so uh, what that tells me is that it's easier for people to rally around their hates than their love. And that's sad. That and maybe they were confused on what Pantheon meant. <laughs> All right, everybody. <laughs> Malice or stupidity. It's the endless question. Yes. <laughs> Um, all right that's what we have for you this week i hope you enjoyed the bonus uh legacy watch with all of the extra players i apologize that it went so long but hopefully you had some fun here next week we'll go back to the regular list of just this season um but we will include some of these people uh in the finale or when we do our final legacy watch we'll we'll throw these people back in and see where everyone has landed on the master list um i think there are some people missing here as well we took this from the fake probably list so um we'll have uh, we'll have our own uh list of people included in in the uh in the stuff so um just wait for that to happen. It'll, it'll happen. Uh, that's what we've got. Anything else that you guys wanted to bring up? Anything, any last thoughts, Ovi? No, I think this is, um, I, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun talking about this. As long as it was, I could probably keep going on for hours about this type of thing. So I really appreciate y'all having me here. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's cool to look at big brother, how it deserves to be looked at as a game. Like some people get it entertainment and whatnot. I love that we can come together talk about these things and as one way the season's going this way or that way i'm glad that in 2020 in a year of just so much shit going up and down that we can kind of just take a moment take a breather the fans can kind of you know watch the show the rhap crew all those people can come tune into taryn and all of y'all and just be like okay put 2020 on the back burner and let's just listen to us talk so i appreciate everybody tuning in tonight and thanks for having me all right Puya, any final thoughts uh I would like to just make a prediction so that people can either be like, hey, he said it, or I, I look stupid and it's wrong. We're going to see Kaser in the house next week, okay? That's that's my prediction. And I'm only saying this because I want to put it out there. And if it doesn't happen, I'll be sad. Don't give if me it happens, hope, dude. I'm going to be happy. <laughs> all we have is hope, Taryn. All we've had is hope <laughs> since like week two, okay? This is all we've had. we got to keep hope alive. We really do. And uh, that's what I'm going to say. Uh, again, this is I'm so happy that I've been getting to see him play again, that we got to see Janelle play again, that we saw Keisha come out of nowhere. Um, this has been a very, very fun and refreshing uh, moment for us to really, really revisit the history of Big Brother, really revisit the old seasons as well. The nostalgia has been real, 
and I'm appreciative of it. All right, Mari, any final thoughts? Yes, I'm um, so glad to be here past my bedtime <laughs> um, talking to you guys about Big Brother. It's been a welcome distraction over the last day. I uh, just want to say RIP to Chadwick Boseman and thoughts and prayers to his family, the original Black Panther, who's brought so much joy to a lot of people's lives, especially uh, kids and of color. It's just a very sad day yesterday. Um, and this was a really good distraction. It was really fun to get right back into Big Brother and um, kind of think of the future. And um, yeah, thoughts and, thoughts and prayers out to him and to everybody who's affected by him and a lot of the other stuff going on this year like Ovi said yeah all right well thank you guys so much for joining me uh you guys were great the audience was great everybody was great uh except for when the audience didn't put uh Daniel Reyes in the pantheon <laughs> I feel like that's coming for me but okay <laughs> <laughs> um but uh, that's where we have for you. I will be back tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern to update you on everything that happens today on the Big Brother 22 live feeds and what happens tonight when the feeds come back from the veto. We'll see what happens. I'll let you know tomorrow. And then, of course, tomorrow uh, we will also be live to cover the nomination episode of Big Brother 22. And then Tuesday, we'll be back. The stock watch we will rate the players. We'll update the prices and we'll find out how you guys have been doing playing the game. We'll have some fun. You can find me on Twitter at Armstrong Taren or on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Taren Armstrong. Ovi, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at the Ovi Kabir and on Instagram at Ovi Kabir. Puya? You can find me on all social media at Puyaism. And Mari? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mari Talks Too Much. That's two as in the number two. All right. Thank you guys again for joining us. We'll see you next time. 